Shut up and sit down. everyone and welcome to the podcast tonight we're going to talk about the mary sue paradox and um i actually uh, have a little story about that um and and how i was introduced to the concept of mary sue but before we do that let's go ahead and do some housekeeping things um remember that uh, rough trade posting has um, closed on the 5th of august so there won't be any new posts on rough trade for july's uh, stories uh we will open up we will delete rough trade. Well, we will clear. We, we will clear rough trade off and set up um, signups for November on October first. So you have plenty of time to read if you've not finished reading uh, and get all that in before October first comes around. And remember that our um, topic for November, our challenge theme for November is uh, the divi- the divergent path, which means we're writing Canaan divergence. And Jilly has some Fluff Bingo and Quantum Bang Reminders. So for Fluff Bingo, uh, this is still ongoing. Um, if if you haven't been able to participate in Fluff Bingo yet, you can still get cards until like the end of September. Um, you don't need to like let me know if you're dropping out or something. This is just a as as if you want to do it. If you don't, don't. Um, if you can't do it right now, you can get a card and work on it. If the if you're moved to do so later. Uh, and that's it for Fluff Bingo. But we've had quite a lot of people finish their bingos, um, or at least do call one bingo. So that's been going really well. Lots of fluffy stuff posted to AO3 and people's websites. Um, and then for the Quantum Bang, uh, signups are underway. I am caught up on signups. So anybody who is a new user to the site, uh, those account information was mailed out today. If you signed up, prior to right at the moment of this podcast, which is the ninth, um, the evening of the ninth, and you did not get your login credentials, you need to check your spam folder and then whitelist um, our WordPress site, our WordPress address. Uh, existing users, I wasn't planning on doing anything with existing users other than just note that you're signing up, but I will send out a confirmation email to existing users to let you know that I received your, your sign up, just so people don't worry that I got that I got it. So um, look for that. If you are an existing user, look for this, that email um, in the next day or so. And we are up to a total of 39, uh, sorry, 37 signups. Um, 33 of those are authors. Wow. Uh, did you decide if you were going to do ca- near canon AU for, for near canon divergence, near canon worlds, or just strictly divergent from pure canon worlds? I mean, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) 
That's how I feel about that right now. I don't know. I mean, part of me wants to make it challenging and say, um, you have to do, you know, straight canon divergence. Um, which would rule out things like Rule 63 and um, like the Noble AU and Harry Potter. Um, it would rule out um, Sentinels are known uh, in any fandom. Well, in all fandoms, because Sentinels weren't known in the Sentinel. Um, well, I don't think Sentinels are known could even be considered near canon. No, no, not even in the Sentinel would it be considered near canon. You know what I'm saying? It's just it would it would disallow a lot of tropes. Um, but part of the theme that we, part of the reason we have themes on Rough Trade is to challenge ourselves, to make to force us to step outside of the box. And to learn and grow as writers. So while it's tempting for me. Because I am much more comfortable. In a near canon AU. Obviously. Um, to say it, it's okay. But that's just. It feels like I'm just making it easier on myself. And. Um, and uh, that just kind of slaps in the face of the, the spirit of Rough Trade. Which is to challenge yourself. And to you know. Get out there. Know what I mean? Yeah, um, I know what you mean. I think sometimes, like in retrospect, we look back and feel like that maybe the challenge is a little too rigid or a little too narrow. Um, and sometimes it's hard to know that in in advance. Like, is it is it challenging because it's a challenge, or is it challenging because it's just too confining? But um, we both know that writing a canon, just writing a pure canon version, is super freaking easy. Oh, I agree. I mean, it is like I'm asking you guys to write in a single POV or anything. <laughs> I actually had no problem with that. So, um. Lady Holder, practically all that you do is Canaan Divergent. With the exception of your Sentinel series in, in Stargate, all you do is Canaan Divergent. So, yeah. So, yeah. That's easy for you too, so don't go for you like <laughs> like it's hard for you. It's not hard for you. That's what you do. <laughs> so I mean, I think I think I don't know if I'm guessing what the point, the challenge part of the canon divergent challenge. The, the challenge portion of it is not actually a canon divergent because some people it's easy, but it's about exploring the ripples of making changes. Like when you diverge, what is the effect of that divergence and following through the consequences. Now, one thing you can do with a, if, if you wanted to write Noble Harry in, in November, one way to do that would be to have him have a title be bestowed on him in new circumstances. Yeah. Like say, you know, for instance, in hey, in, in, in courting Hermione Granger, uh, Queen Elizabeth, or the, I just call her the Queen, um, in the story, I really didn't want to delve too far into that thing, um, bestowed on Harry the the Duchy of Avalon and made him the Duke of Avalon. Um, in in thanks for his service to the realm because he defeated Voldemort. Now, if there were no other magical titles, and that was a title given to him in those circumstances, 
that would have been considered a canon divergence. If that was just that part and not everything else that happened in that story. Like, say, after the war, you know, the queen gives Harry a title. Right. But I think with canon divergence, you can also do things as long as you don't like contravene canon, right? Right. So it's like you could actually do that. Let's say um, they stopped being able to inherit their titles because they were maybe violated some major protocol. Uh, if you want to do the Wizenagamot, is um, is like a sentient entity that maybe defined the will of it several hundred years ago, made it such that they could no longer claim their titles. And something that happens that you write canon divergent allows them to, um, at least some of them, be able to start claiming their titles again and go fix it in terms of like the, if you're, if you're fixed, it was maybe angled at the, the governing bodies of the wizarding world. So. Yeah. What, what if during his second year, when he pulled that sword out of the hat, he woke up, well, Camelot. Yeah. So I think you could find ways to bring back, to do a Noble Harry AU. Like you talked about bringing in a new title. Well, what if you brought in an old title? And you just have to be careful not to contradict canon with that. But there's so little given to us about the Wizarding World's government and the history that it's pretty easy to have, like, you could do family magic and titles and stuff, but it was lost to time because, you know, wizards are lazy and disobedient kind of thing. Could Hogwarts be Camelot? Absolutely. I mean, because Camelot is a myth. So you could put Camelot anywhere and I think you could put you could put Camelot anywhere in the British Isles, and I would have a hard time saying that that's not possible. Right. I think that would be the problem, Edie, is that a lot of us who've been in the fandom for a very long time would have a hard time separating canon and fanon. And fanon can be insidious. But I mean, this is one of those cases where you do your best and you check your you know, check your references. And if you get to the end and you realize that you had a plot point that hinged on something that was fan instead of canon, well, such is life. Um, but I think there are ways to get to that kind of thing. We talked we've talked about how to do a Sentinel Guide in a non in the non Sentinel fandom for canon divergence, which is basically a Sentinel comes online or a guide comes online or something. Um, the guide thing is actually easier to have had guides running around all along and not be detected because, you know, in real life, there are, are rumors about people having ESP or whatever. What if those are guides, right? Um, people who have really, um, who are just really deeply empathetic. Right. But um, people don't have, they didn't have a name for it because Sentinels and Guides are, are were lost to myth, right? But there are these people who don't, you know, they don't talk about their abilities. What if they're there? So, and then Sentinels start coming online. So you could write a canon divergence where Sentinels and Guides, you know, the Sentinels start to wake up. Um, but I think an awakening, I, if I was going <laughs> to, speaking from experience and having a lot of it, I would not write an awakening AU in rough draft on rough trade during national novel writing month. It'd be, it, no. it's got, it's got a, 
the ripples and the world building, it's it's a little bit rough. Um, that that's daunting that, as hell. But that is a way you could. That is a way you could do it. So there are ways you could a- accomplish some of these tropes. Same thing with the soulmate thing. You could do the soulmate thing where, um, like Kira did it with Thor's hammer landing on Earth, cause soulmates to soulmate magic to awaken. Um, so there are ways you could do some of these tropes in a, in a canon divergence. But you'll have to think about it, which is also, you know, it's, it's, it's fun in a way because you can, not only are you stepping outside your box, but you're, you could, you know, approach these subjects from a way that could be, you know, unique. And that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you could do like a, um, um, a time travel thing where, um, your character is being sent back in time to, I don't know, fix something, right? Okay. And so your divergence point is is whatever led to them needing to be sent back in time. And so whatever cosmic entity or whatever is enabling, let's say, let's say there is some sort of cosmic entity, higher power, something that is enabling their time travel. Um, and they say, you know, and he said, and they offer help and say, well, give me whatever it is I need to, to, to achieve the result. Tell, just, just, just do it. Just don't, you know, just give me the tool I need to make this work, to fix this. So let's say it's Tony Stark and, and let's say infinity is going to send him back in time. And, and, and the infinity asks him, you, you know, you can ask for one thing. What do you, what we want? He says, just give me the thing that's going to help me best accomplish this goal and tony stark wakes up in the past and he's female so and now you're perfect (laughs) and now tony stark is perfect and he's got apparently something about and he's got to listen to and analyze well something about me being a woman is going to enable me to save the world hmm And that could be a moment where he just has to really sit down and think about his life and his choices. <laughs> and then you have to decide, is he going to have to explain that he woke up a woman? Or did she fix it where he was always a woman? I think it'd be all, for, for, if I were writing, it would be always. And like that he, it's, it would be more like his memories of his future self kind of collide with his female self that has now always been female. And so he's got two sets of memories, one growing up female up until the age of whatever, 38, 39, 40, whatever age. And then all of a sudden all these male, these memories of when um, she was a man the first time around and, and her task so I would probably do it like a memory fusion. It'd be like every once in a while she go, "Oh God, I can't believe he did that!" Oh God, you asshole! Oh my God, she's hot. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, she's hot. <laughs> yeah, so she she could be sitting there thinking about. So she, the, the two sets of memories could be like, okay, so he did this. That's a really dumb thing to do. That's such a man thing to do. I mean, it could be like a whole, like Tony's internal monologue could be like I half. I can't fucking believe he did that. I can't believe, I can't believe. And then. Wait, and then, we could have hit that. I could have hit that and I didn't know it. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. 
And then she could hate Steve Rogers on site, just hate him. And he's like, I've never had this effect on a woman before. <laughs> right? Because when little Steve, he was just adorable. And then he was hot, Steve. And then he was just hot. So. And then he meets, you know, whether you want to go Antonia Stark or whatever name, you, you know, or some other non-Tony name. Um, and she just meets him and she's like, I can't stand you can't fucking stand you. Captain asshole. Tony, Tony with an I, Antonia. I think that is her um, name in the other, in the female thing. Because there is a comic book series where, you know, Iron it's, it's Iron Maiden, right? Um. So anyway, there are ways to achieve your aim in canon divergence. Not Maybe not every Every but you trope. gotta be creative and think about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with canon divergence, so this doesn't give me. Um, now I'm I I will you know like insert maybe because I, I I one of the things I do I round out a character's backstory right, especially where it's really not filled out well, so I might insert some things. Uh, I particularly like bringing in characters from other fandoms. Um, but I just you just got to be careful when you're doing that, when you're fleshing out your characters in your world, that you don't do things that would implicitly have altered canon. And that's figuring out, okay, so if you're gonna if you're gonna change things, like if you're gonna add things like um, that weren't there, um, you gotta you gotta make sure that canon would have still reasonably gone the same way. Otherwise, you've you've put a ripple in that would have altered canon, and therefore. You, you can't call it canon divergent. Alex says in the chat room, would Rhodey still be a guy? Based on Jilly's premise that Tony asked fate, epic, epoch, infinity, um, whoever you want to use, um, to send him back with the tools he needed to save the world. And she made him a woman. She made Tony a she. Um, I think that that gender change would only impact him. Mm -hmm. She's changing him. Yeah, she's changing him. Now, if you wanted to write an AU where Rhodey was also a girl, a woman, a badass, that would I think that would fall more into alternate universe. Unless Rhodey was standing right beside Tony when that happened, and was like, "Yeah, do the same for me." Can you imagine the phone call Tony would get? What the fuck were you thinking? I woke up with no dick. <laughs> this is the last time you give a cosmic entity a blank check to give us whatever <laughs> what we is, need. What is wrong with you? <laughs> and Tony said, well, I took off all my clothes and I gotta say there ain't a damn thing wrong over here. <laughs> I am just fine with it. <laughs> You got to see this. <laughs> okay, uh one more one more um one more maintenance note, I think, and then we can get into the actual topic, you know, just 25 minutes into the podcast, which I think is pretty good for us. Um there was a question and it's come up more than once. It came up on Discord and it got answered. So thanks to the person who answered that. I think it was Becca. Thank you very much. Um, but I got a few questions in my email as well. And they're about the timing on um, 
live podcast recordings and them ending up in on Castbox and then into distribution into the other you know various other podcast sources. So here's the thing. Before when I was on Blog Talk, Blog Talk did all the work for me. And so after a broadcast was completed, they would process the file and then I could go in behind them and edit out anything I didn't want in it. So I could curate the content on their website. Now, because I record on Discord, I have to download the file, which is a multi-channel audible package. And then I have to edit out all of the empty channels because you guys don't know how to mute yourselves. That's not, there were seven. I'm looking at you. All y'all. Not all y'all because it would be ridiculous if it had been all y'all. But seven, six, five of you were just in my way. So it's okay though. It's okay. They don't, it doesn't actually record anything from you. So it's not picking up any content. They're just blank channels that make the file huge. And also make it difficult to load into Audible. But whatever. So if like last night or not before last. I had a serious problem. With the podcast because it stopped recording and we lost about actually about 15 minutes of footage. Um, footage. W what other words should I use for that? Footage. Because it's not actually footage. Recording? Content. Track. I lost 15 minutes of con audio. Audio. Thank you, Tiffany. It just was not coming into my brain at all. Um, so I had to um, splice together two parts and then edit out the silence because um, we get thoughtful. And then we get silent. Um, and then put it all together into like... So I ended up having, you know, end music, begin music, part one and part two. So I had four files I had to put together to create the podcast that ended up on CastBox. So, there's a delay. It's not going to be immediate. It never will be immediate uh, based on our current setup. But our current setup is free, and I'm really happy with it. So, anyways. It's usually so, 24 to 36 hours. If it's ever going to be more than that, I'll probably just put out a tweet about it so that you will know. Okay? Cool. Um... I'm really happy with Discord. We're not we, we don't have nearly as many problems as we used to have with people getting into the chat, obviously. We don't have any problems with people who won't who can't hear the audio. Um, I mean, we had a lot of problems with blog talk and it's really ridiculous considering how much money I paid for it. Just and saying. our chat and that we could we stopped using the chat room on blog talk because it was censored. And right. we spent we spent Bitches. a a ridiculous amount of time trying to figure out which words were gonna be censored. Um but the other piece they censored you, Riddick. Yeah, they did censor Riddick. It was sad. Um, well, the other piece that you 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 touched on, but you didn't actually address, was um, the distribution from Castbox to the others. I mean, you don't have any control over that. Once it's up on Castbox, no. it they they pick up the feed when at whatever at whatever rate Castbox has to update the feed, and then whatever rate they it's RSS it. feed. 
Um, and then that RSS feed migrates into all the other cast box, um, um, all the other podcast services. So when it hits your device, if you're on Apple or if you're using the Castbox app or if you're using Spotify, I mean, I am I am thoroughly syndicated at this point. In fact, I am more syndicated than I was on Blog Talk, but I had to do it manually individually on my own. I'm not mad. I'm just saying I had to do that. Yeah, but, so, but if you how go fast? That website and you, and, and you go on the podcast page, you can see all my syndication and you can pick your spot if you don't want to listen to cast on, on Castbox or whatever. But if you see it on, Castbox, I love the Castbox app. If you see it on Castbox, but you don't see it on iTunes, it just means that iTunes hasn't pulled the RSS feed since it went up hasn't on Castbox. Feed, yeah. So just you know, just give it another day. I'm sure they. I don't know how often each of these services update their, uh, you know, pull from the feed. Um, they usually don't do it constantly because that would be a, a resource hog. It is a resource yeah. hog. So they do it at, at, at intervals. So if, if you, we, you know, if we landed at a bad spot in that interval, it could be several hours before it hits. So if, if, if you see it on one, but not the other, you know, at least give it a day or two before you worry about it. But I would say that, um, normally within 10 minutes of me uploading to Castbox, my phone vibrates to let me know that to the, that I have a new podcast to listen to. Because I, I have a... the Castbox app. So oh well I use well the Castbox app is quick, but I, I get it through distribution through Apple and it's definitely not as you know it's sometimes a delay. I, I'm not butthurt about it. I don't really you know it, <laughs> okay. it is what it is, right? We got plenty of other things to be butthurt about. Let me and let me speak to you about one of those things. A long time ago, in a galaxy far away, like it was like 2008 ish, 2007 ish, 2008, when I joined fandom, um, I was writing a series called What Might Have Been. Now, I had been writing the series and um, I went over to Area. 52 is that accurate lady holder is that that archive site that we used to have for stargate where you could put your links up area 52 are they still there i should probably update my shit if they are anyways um and i had posted uh several um pieces parts of what might have been to their little link library and i get an email and I had gone back in and I had updated some of the pairings because I had not been listing um, Cameron Mitchell and um, my OC together as a pairing. And then I decided to do so. Well, I get an email and she is irate. <sighs> because I have broken up her favorite pairing and what might have been and what happened to Matt. And who is this freaking OC she's going to have to deal with? And all original characters are Mary Sue's. And why are the why in the fuck are you writing a Mary Sue? I had to go look it up because I'd never I'd never heard this term before. I'd never heard a lot of terms coming into fandom. I was a I was a sweet summer child, um, coming into fandom. If you believe that, right? So I said first and foremost, 
not all original characters are Mary Sue's. Number two, Cameron is still with Matt Shepard, and Matt Shepard is my original character. And third, since you don't actually know enough about Stargate canon to know the difference between an OC and a canon character, I don't have time to hear any of your opinions. And thus, I made my first enemy in fandom. <laughs> but I heard this over and over again, actually. The original characters were Mary Sue's. All, especially if they're female. Especially if they're female. But the original characters are Mary Sue's. Which is obviously not accurate. Because in the third time it happened, I was like, so all original characters are Mary Sue's. And she said, yes, of course. I said, so Harry Potter's a Mary Sue. Well, no. I said, well, he's an original character. He's just not my original character. So in your estimation, all characters are Mary Sue's. Oh, how dare you apply logic to the situation? I think she was the fifth or sixth person that had been there to tell, tell me to kiss her ass. But alas, she was not the last. <laughs> but seriously, though. Seriously. I actually get a lot of feedback on my original characters. It's usually very positive. I'm very grateful for that. Um, I spend a lot of time crafting my OCs. Um, and their background. And, you know, I even have a family tree on Armand Deering. I mean, you know, it was just... She got real, and he he appeared like briefly, and I still know more about Armand Deering than I, you know, probably should actually. Um, but we talked a long a couple years ago about how um, that most of my OCs and yours at the time too were male, um, because it's easier. To slip a male OC into your work and not be accused of writing a Mary Sue. Thus, we don't have a lot of original. And I, you know, I was like, the, the, the first time you said it, I was like, well, shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just shit. <laughs> it's like, damn it. For fuck's sake. But, um, a couple of months ago, I encountered someone who had no idea what the actual meaning of Mary Sue was because she thought a Mary Sue character was a strong, independent character. Because she accused me, she, you know, she didn't accuse me. She praised me for writing Harry Potter as a Mary Sue and Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. What? And so I had to explain to her what a Mary Sue was. And, I, and she was like, oh, God, that's not what I meant at all. I said, because really, if you think Harry is, uh, he's like, Harry's kind of an asshole. <laughs> and Harry Potter is a soulmate bond. Well, he's he, also, he's also but not, um, even canon, he's not really perfect enough to be a Mary Sue. No, no, he's, he's, he's got a lot of flaws. He's, he's kind of arrogant. He's, He's because um, he was raised by a pure blood wizard around a whole bunch of really arrogant, talented men. I mean, I would challenge any kid to grow up in the in the company of Armand Deering and not come out a little arrogant. <laughs> and he does, in a lot of ways, emulate Armand Deering. 
because he looks up to him. And I look up to Armand too. <laughs> there's there, there's actually a moment in when he tells, and I think it's Hermione that he tells Hermione that when they told him that Armand wasn't going to be his mentor, that he cried. He was really upset that Armand wasn't going to be his mentor, that he was going to get this other guy when he really wanted Armand. But Armand didn't want to do it because he was too close. Well, there are some sources that would say that a canon character can't be a Mary Sue. But I call bullshit on that because if there is a Mary Sue in Stargate, it is Sam Carter. Uh, you know, honestly, I would not say Keller's a Mary Sue. She makes too many mistakes. Well, I think sometimes you can see canon, like the writer, you can almost think the writers think they're writing a Mary Sue, but it's like it certainly aren't being perceived that way. I, I think the first season of SGA, just my opinion, I think they were trying to write Elizabeth Weir, Mary Sue-ish. Um, to me, they kind of retconned her character a little bit with the recasting. And... <laughs> That whole wise, benevolent thing she had going on. Um, even though I saw... Because I perceived a lot of things she did as fuck-ups. They weren't, didn't seem to be perceived in canon as fuck-ups. No. Because making a character have flaws um, is can be a, 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 a way to avoid the Mary Sue thing. But you can't call it flaws... If nobody in this around the person perceives the flaws as flaws, if everybody or if thinks, they accept the flaws and find them endearing, right? Or if they laugh them off and go, "Oh, it's so charming when you're an asshole." It's like, not really. It really isn't charming when you're an asshole. If they're validated for their flaws, it's not a flaw. And I felt like all of her flaws, she was validated for. I don't think Jenny Weasley is a Mary Sue. I think Jenny Weasley is a self-insert. No, I just felt like she was... Um... <sighs> Nothing. She was undeveloped. Um... Uh, she was... I mean, she could be a, she could have been a self insert, but the thing now the reason why self insert became synonymous with Mary Sue is because most self inserts were Mary Sues, but not all. I mean, certainly not all. But it became a thing where people started thinking a Mary Sue was a self insert, and there are segment of people out there where if you ask them what a Mary Sue was, they would tell you it was a self insert, and that's not the case. Self-insert is completely different, um, but most writers who are going to insert themselves into a story are going to make themselves Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way, who can, you know, solve things with a flip of their hair. And it... Or just, make a several hundred-year-old vampire fall in love with her just by being herself. Right. So, just... They're not the same thing. I mean, there was an author, I actually... 
I, I usually I would I know about faster over self insert than anything else. So if, an, if and I appreciate when an author owns their self insert and just goes right up. But this is just chock full of self insert, and I go no. But there was an author I used to read in one of my fandoms who was notorious for inserting herself as uh, her self insert, where she was like a minion of the bad guy. Whoever the bad guy was, <laughs> she was writing herself as like the bad guy's chief minion. That's um, kind of funny, though. I mean, that's was, like it, it was that's... funny as fuck. And sometimes just the bad guy. Um, I want to be a hench girl. <laughs> yeah, that's what she was doing. She was writing herself as the hench girl, and it was it was often very entertaining. Um, and she didn't hide it because the whatever this hench girl's name was. With some derivative of her own name. That's hilarious. So I could be like me having, you know, uh, the chief hench girl be named Jillian Jameson. It would be, um, that was that level of unsubtle. That's great, though. I can't see the word hench girl without thinking of Make-A-Wish. Yeah. Oh, we can't do the Bob conversation again. It'll just it'll just derail the whole podcast and we'll spend the whole rest of the night talking about Dick Bob. And, <clears throat> Dick and bombing it. It's the Dick and Bob show. Yet again. But yeah, I mean, uh, that's the only time I've actually had someone in public accuse me of, of riding a Mary Sue and she didn't actually know what a Mary Sue was. She's very new to fandom and she heard the concept and she thought that it was a compliment. And I mean, for a moment, I thought maybe I was being trolled, but then she contacted me privately outside of the group and was like really upset. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm not mad. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm not mad. Um, and then it happened again. No, it's the same one. It's the same one. I remembered it again. I found it again. That's what it was. I found it twice. But I'd forgotten about it. So it was new. Then I saw my response. I was like, well, that's not new. I've already talked about this. <laughs> Fibro. Make-A-Wish is on fanfiction.net. And it is honestly, it's by Roche, Rorschach's Blot. Rorschach's Blot, yeah. And it is honestly one of the crackiest, funniest fics in Harry Potter. I think it's a must read. It's a gin fic. There's no pairing to worry about. Um, if, I would, if I would put any warning on it, it's just that it's really super long. So don't start it in the middle of the night. And keep track of your bladder. Yeah, if you if you need to you make sure that that there's no need to any kind of urge to pee ever because you'll start you, you never know when something's going to hit you funny and you're just laughing your ass off. Is that the fic where the Death Eaters apparated to the wing of a plane, or is that a different one? The the Death Eaters apparate to a lot of. I don't remember if it specifically was that one, but was the plane. They do apparate. I remember the pool. The pool. The pool, the pool. is so funny. 
Yeah, the Death, Death Eaters keep, and they don't ever seem to learn. Um, <laughs> I'm just a man on vacation. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> well, I think one of my favorite parts about the whole thing, aside from all the crack, is how long he was unaware of what was going on. And they, at the end, I think and, it also speaks to his utter lack of curiosity. Which it's was very on point. Right? Yeah, it wouldn't have made point. sense for a lot of characters. Like you couldn't put Tony Donozo in that kind of situation where people are just falling dead around him and he has no clue what's happening. Harry Potter, sure, sure. I mean, it's, that's practically canon. Yeah. So anyway, the Mary Sue thing. When it comes to writing original characters, I do think that it was a couple of things. I think that. This is based upon my perception of fandom way back in the day when when or both original characters and Mary Sue's were a sin. And yes, you know, except for the people who just owned it, this is a Mary Sue. They just came right out and said it. This is a Mary Sue. Or, you know, you know, and actually what they would do is they'd say either Mary Sue or self-insert. They wouldn't say it was an OC. Because there were times when I would read stories that people claim it was a Mary Sue that I didn't feel like met the definition of a Mary Sue. But it was like they were just trying to fend off the critique before it could happen about their OC by just calling it a Mary Sue. Um, <laughs> so they were like, well, yeah, I already told you it was a Mary Sue. Why are you talking about it? Quit bugging me about this original character. So there were a few things I think going on, which was one, I do think that there was a deluge of self-inserts in, in, in fanfic for, at one point. And I think pe and people weren't, weren't calling it what it was. And most of those characters were annoyingly perfect. They were out of place in there. And it, honestly, you do what you want, but it, it isn't great craft when one character for whether they're whether you call them a Mary Sue or a self-insert or whatever they are, when you put a character in a situation where they make no sense in the context and where they have magical problem-solving abilities that just seem contrived, it's just bad writing. And so there was just a ton of this, what I believe to be self-insert stories with these perfect Mary Sue characters. Um, and people didn't, people would get really irritated. They didn't want to read it. And it's like they wanted you to warn them if it was going to happen. And and really, it's just a lot of inappropriate behavior came out of it. And so the solution became you have to warn for it or you can't write it or and it just in typical, you know, mo you know, group mob mentality kind of thing. Um, people couldn't just take a step back and go, if you don't like it, don't read it. They, you know, wanted to ban it from sites and they wanted to ban it from archives and, it, and people like there'd be abuse campaigns about it. And, um, you know, you, it's not welcome. And I was a lot of fandom was in Yahoo groups or on live journal at the time. You know, it's not welcome on this community. It's not welcome on this mailing list. And um, I just I just think it was all handled very badly. I understood why people didn't like it, but I think how people handled it um, was just really unfortunate. It was because if whatever trope you don't like, whatever, you know, because these are kind of like writing style tropes, you know, in a way um, that emerge in fandom that are kind of sometimes pretty unique to fandom, at least in the terms of the reaction to these characters sometimes is, is unique in fandom. Um, 
saying you can't do this, you can't write that, you can't, you're not welcome here, dividing fandom communities, it, it just, it created this, this sort of insular siloing that became very difficult to overcome for a long time. But part of the other element of this was that these self-insert slash Mary Sue characters were getting in the way of people's ship. And instead of saying, I felt like, the, I felt like sometimes the critique was a deflection. Instead of saying, I just don't want to read this because it's not my OTP, they would lash out about the Mary Sue and make it about the Mary Sue instead of making it about their own personal preferences. Instead of just saying, oh, you know, I don't, this isn't my cup of tea because, you know, my boys aren't together in this story because there's a self-insert in it. They would lash out and, and say that this person had done something wrong. You know, you did something wrong. You're, you're out of line. Now I have encountered fix where I thought, Oh, that sounds really, really awesome. I'm going to, Oh, why is it going to be Harry Jennings? Mm-hmm. But I keep my disappointment to myself. Because I'm an adult who knows how to adult properly. <laughs> but there are some great stories out there, uh, well, stories that sound great, that I don't read because they're Harry Jenny. And I can't. I can't. Because you just don't want to. But it's not the fault of the author who decided to write Harry Ginny. And I think that that fandom often sometimes jumps on a, a blame mentality. You wrote the wrong thing as opposed to this isn't something I want to read. It's like they don't, they don't, you know, they turn their disappointment into anger and they lash out about it, which is just really not how grownups are supposed to act. Um, so. Um, so One of the more interesting questions I was ever asked was, why do you write so many OCs? And my response, is, response was, because I can. They did not like that. I got like a 10 paragraph response to that. That it was arrogant and that I shouldn't, um, um, that I was bad for fandom. I'm like, bitch, I'm great for fandom. <laughs> What? Well, sometimes <laughs> canon doesn't provide you enough characters. I mean, and trying to find it, and sometimes, honestly, it's so work, so much work to find a canon. I'm not because I've been there. I've been, I've written in fandom when it was like a sin to use an OC for anything but you know a waitress or or a, a valet, you know, valet or something. Um, and it's this is just. We got to grow up. We got to grow up. Uh, it's like people don't want to be confronted with any character who's unfamiliar. And I don't understand that mentality. Uh, but, you know, you do you, boo. If you don't want to deal with OCs, then just close the fucking story. I didn't actually mean that to you, boo. <laughs> I got I to not say boo because boo's in chat tonight. <laughs> um, but just do, do whatever you're going to do. I mean, your likes and dislikes are not the author's problem. And that's what fandom did for a long time about original characters is it didn't matter what that original character's function was, unless it was apparently being the villain. Um, you were not supposed to have original characters because 
oh, that you, you, because it was a mirror. They were, and the, and the, instead of talking, having any kind of well thought out critique, people would just bludgeon you with this Mary Sue accusation. Boom. As you just hit the nail on the head, she said the other side of that is when you take a canon character and put them in an OC slot, then they complain about how out of character you've made the character. <laughs> yep. But um, I, I also had a reader tell me once that she found my writing very frustrating because she had a hard time picking out the original characters and she found that frustrating. Why? But I mean, I mean, I don't get that because I mean, isn't that optimal? Is it the, is it the original characters not leap off the page? Is not belonging there? She said she would have to like spend a whole bunch of time on wikis reading to figure out who my OCs are, and that um, it would be better if I just like provided a list of original characters. And I was like, girl, why does she I think have my, to do that? Though? I think my response was actually not nah, dog. <laughs> Literally, I think my response was not dog. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I have to admit that sometimes I get the stupidest emails. <laughs> you do. But sometimes when I'm reading a story where, especially if it's a fan that's unfamiliar to me, um, where I don't recognize the name of a character or something, I will go to IMDb and like look up who played it because I want to get the visual, right? I want to like, and sometimes I'll even like watch some video or something to try to get the voice in my head. <laughs> Um, so if I find out it's an OC, um, well, I mean, yay, they're actually intrigued, made me intrigued enough about this character that I went and looked him up. So I think that's a mark of good writing, but that's one of those cases where I find that a casting page is really helpful. I know some authors are very against, um, casting pages, but you know, this is where I find canon casting pages very helpful, uh, is, um, is so that I can get a, a visual of this character that I'm liking enough to want to be able to visualize. But, you know, if, if, if casting pages don't work for you, but I will say this is, I have a hard line about, um, I do not read any kind of anime or animated character fandom at all. If the author doesn't provide a casting page with, with, you know, real life character with, you know, actual humans that they've cast. I do casting pages because I was asked early on about the casting of, of Matt Shepard. Um, and I was like, okay, let's just do a casting couch. Cause I thought that'd be really funny. Right. Um, so we did one and we even did a poll. Um, and actually truth be known, the person, the, the actor that I originally, that I wanted didn't get chosen because Jensen Ackles beauty took, you know, just took the, just took the stage um and i honestly forget who i had picked out to play for matt for matt um it might have been that kid from smallville who's not really? a kid now who's a grown yeah. man now he's, he's a grown-ass um, man now yeah but anyway jensen ackles won um yeah tom welling tom welling yeah i think so I think Tom Welling was the choice I had actually was going to make. Um, but uh, I, I let my readers decide his casting. And after that, I started doing casting pages because my readers really responded really well to them. They enjoyed, uh, especially since I do do a lot of OCs. And so they enjoy knowing, seeing a face to put with the name. Yeah. Which is what I like about it. Um, 
and I know they don't work for everybody, and that's totally fine. You do you. But I really like, especially when it's an original character, to be able to get a, a visual of what that character looks like. And yes, the author could try to describe the character, but usually the level of detail that you can get from a photograph is something I'm going to skim through anyway, to be honest. Because most most authors, I'm gonna, this is just, it's going to be harsh, but most authors cannot describe a character succinctly and do it well in a way that is not staring in a mirror. Oh my and God. Weird and aggravating. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing that level I will... of self analysis is usually an indication of an eating disorder. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just I I actually I have I have noped out of more than one story where a character is staring in a mirror and contemplating how they look. I mean if there's not a black eye present, you know, I mean if they're if they're contemplating their wounds, that's one thing. But if they're contemplating on their wavy brown hair, I've noped right the fuck out. I'm just saying. Yeah. So it it is, you know, if if I'm not saying that I'm not like saying you have to do casting page at all. I'm just saying that it helps me a lot with an OC to be able to put a face to it. And if the OC has captured my attention enough that I've gone off to IMDB to see who the actor is and then find out that it's an OC, well, good on you, you know, good for making you that character that engaging that I want to go find out more about them. Um, and if you don't provide a casting page, that's perfectly fine. I'll do my own mental casting. I will. I, once, I, I, I once had um, an editor uh, uh, tell me that I'd spent, that I had actually given more detail about um, I, uh, my male character's dick than I had his face. And she had CC'd my agent. She was a, she was a, a copy editor. So I replied to all and CC'd my content editor and said, I have made all the right life choices. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, even if I wasn't going to do um, for fan fiction, even if I wasn't going to do a casting page, which I can't imagine why I wouldn't give a casting page, because I do like that for OCs, um, I would still fan cast it, just so that I can really lock in the voice in my own head. It yeah. helps me write. It helps me write. So... I'll usually slap a picture on my character profiles just to give myself um, a, a mental reference. It um, it makes them real. Yeah. Um, so Mary Susan, how they became the devil. Um, it really was for a long, long, long time, mostly about female characters. Mostly. I'd say 95%. And I think somebody, like at some point, started pointing out that there were just as many male Mary Sue's canon, uh, original characters as there were female ones. And it became like this, um, I don't know. It was almost like a weird affirmative action program in fandom that we're going to hate on all of the original characters now, not just the women. <laughs> Which... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you kind of got a head tilt over that a little bit. It's like, all right, equal opportunity, obnoxiousness. All right. <laughs> I can get on board with this. So. And it was like, there's, there was like, and there's this whole campaign about like, you can't just, you can't just bitch about female OCs. You got to bitch about the male OCs. It's like, oh. um, but doesn't it boil down to the fact, and this is something that, um, 
is that fandom is, especially when it comes to like a lot of our fandoms, it's majority women. Yeah. And is, there I is think. actually nothing more irritating to me than to see a woman badly written. It's just like that whole thing that we <laughs> have you seen that post on Facebook in the writer's table? What? There is you guys, there is an excerpt of a book. Um, it came from Twitter. It's about male writers writing oh. women and how this woman, uh, this the purse woman and had a had a tiny purse in her vagina that held <laughs> a credit card and her card, keys or something. Her credit card, her license, and a few dollars or something like that. But the one I remember most was the credit card and the license. And I'm like, this this man's never seen the vagina. Women don't put number one your your license won't fit in a tiny purse. And two, a tiny purse won't fit in your vagina comfortably. Well, your license would fit in a tiny purse. I mean, because I don't actually have any purses that aren't bigger. I have some tiny purses, and I don't have any that aren't bigger than my license. But none of them. Are well, going I have to actually. Off. I have a tiny purse that is basically um, meant for uh, your lipstick and some cash, and you kind of roll your cash around your lipstick and tuck it in. Yeah, I couldn't put a license in that. Well, just because of the shape, but in terms of the amount of area, but I mean, that none of them's going in anybody's hoo ha. And and I remember this; I do remember reading this because it was, um, it was they were discussing two men discussing the results of an autopsy on a murder victim, right? And and she had had stashed her, and they didn't think anything odd at all. There was no reaction between these two men about. The fact that she was keeping her purse in her hoo-ha. She's like... Keeping her license in her hoo-ha. Am I the only one that has a laminated, like, hard plastic license? No, but I... Like I said, I don't have any purses that aren't way bigger than my license. So I can't really deal with... The purse is a bigger issue for me. Just think about putting a credit card in your like, in, in, in your vagina. I don't want to think about putting a credit. I mean, no. I mean, I, I'm going to be real. I have actually tucked my license under my tit once. Yeah, I've put my license in my bra quite a bit. But, <laughs> but yeah, can you imagine if you could do that? You're, are you pulled over and you're going to get a ticket? Does that get to your license? <laughs> do you get out of the car and kind of squat down a little bit and get it out? <laughs> Just give me a minute. I have to, I have to work it out. I had to, to get my my purse out of the universal carry all. As funny as it is, it's also infuriating. It is, and this wasn't even a female character, right? This was a dead body. They couldn't even characterize the dead body well. <laughs> I mean, that's just. That's just messed up. You know, the whole bra and money thing is the reason I found out I'm allergic to copper. Did you put pennies in your tits? I had, I was in a bar. 
and I was wearing these tight ass little pants and this bodysuit. I had no pockets. And I had been sent to the bar with with cash to get drinks. So I get drinks and this asshole bartender has to give me five pennies. Because he's out of nickels. And so I had like three dollars and two quarters and five pennies. And I was like, what? And I just stuck, I just stuck it all down in my bra. I just stuck it all down in there, right? So I carry the drinks back and I forget about the pennies. I give the dude that I'd gotten the money from his change, but I don't give him the pennies. Because I don't even think about it. It's five pennies. Um, so I get home. We do our thing because things gotta be done. Um and I'm in I'm in his shower and I've got these round hives on my tits. And he comes in and he says, Why are there five pennies on the carpet? I was like, Oh, they came out of my bodysuit. I got the change. And he was like, Girl, why are you you've got hives? And I was like, These are hives? Because I I was like, the pennies. I said, I've got hives from the pennies. So I'm allergic to copper. I'm also I also have a mild allergy to nickel, um, because that's um, I found that out because a lot of jewelry is um, especially gold jewelry, um, gold, low quality gold jewelry is cut with nickel or melded with nickel, and I'm allergic to it. Oh, uh, sterling silver has nickel in it too. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I'm wear, I'm allergic to copper. I can only wear fine silver because of the what what is, oh, the stuff that's alloyed with is in sterling just messing me up so i don't wear any gold or any sterling silver i actually only wear platinum as far as um jewelry goes i can wear white gold i just don't like it which could make me a little high maintenance but i'm okay with that um but somebody mentioned up above that so the conclusion was that somebody killed her and stuffed her purse and her vagina i mean if it had been written that way, you would think it was like the terrible MO of an awful serial killer, but that wasn't what they, they, these two guys going off to investigate this woman's death, they, they had, they didn't even blink twice about her having her purse and her vagina. So the lack of reaction to that tells me that it wasn't a case of a serial killer. This was just somebody who doesn't understand vaginas. Boo has nicknamed, has, has deemed it to be a vag bag. I liked hoo-ha of holding. That's my favorite. <laughs> as as named it the hoo-ha of holding. Um, I just, I mean, yes, we can push a baby out of our hoo-ha, gentlemen, but that requires dilation. Our hips it, actually separate, in, not, not actual separate, our hips spread, our body dilates. There is pain involved. You cannot stick hard plastic in your vagina. Just walk around with it. It would be agonizing, and it would actually probably cause tearing. Because that sure stuff it is, would. Yeah, I mean, you know, even inter well, um, intercourse causes tearing, and that's and there's nothing sharp. You know, so I can't even. So anyway, it's mean, just. <laughs> but it did remind me of that whole story you have on your website. <laughs> about the diva cup. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I can't even put a diva cup in. How the hell would I get my license up in there? 
I was emotionally scarred by some silicon, you know, I mean, I mean, I was utterly defeated by the Diva Cup. I'm not gonna lie, I was utterly defeated. It was, it was not good. And I did a lot of research for that. I have to tell you, I did a lot of research before I went into that little experiment, thinking it was going to go. I had high expectations. (laughs) (laughs) So we have um, fandom for whatever reason, whatever contributed to it. And I don't want emails explaining what all contributed to it. I've been in fandom for over 20 years. We don't I was, we don't I was there. I was there. Okay. I was there when some of this I stuff went down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was there. So I, there's a lot of things that contributed to the culture around. Um, there was a lot less tolerance in fandom. So there's a lot of, there's a it, now there's a little bit more, especially I think with the advent and the popularity of the big multi fandom archives where fandom was not so siloed, you know, um, because some fandoms were just really horrible. I mean, they behaved so badly and it's because they had kind of this like agreement reality about what they considered acceptable. And if you didn't play by those rules, you were getting voted off the Island, just too sweet. Even if the rules could be objectively looked at to be irrational or unfair or just ridiculous. It didn't matter. It's because they had they, they had no outside voice. And then you have the advent, the blow up of social media. You have the big multi-fandom archives. And fandom stopped being in these neat little boxes. And I think that that eventually led to a lot more tolerance than the whole you do you mentality. Which is a much, I think to me, a much healthier place. But in that period of like siloed fandoms and a lot of intolerance, we developed this hate, this intense dislike to borderline hatred of especially female original characters. And we use the term Mary Sue to bludgeon people into complying with this standard of behavior that really had no good basis for why anybody was expected to, to adhere to it. Um, and and to this day, I think it's one of the, one of the legacies of fandom going way back that continue. One of the things that the negative sides of it that continues to hold on is demonizing OCs and especially female OCs. Um, and we still use this term, Mary Sue, as like the ultimate the ultimate insult on the ultimate cr- criticism of a story is you wrote the ultimate, you know critique on a character would be to call them a Mary Sue. So I mean I have to admit when I saw that in that group I was I was insulted. Like what? Yeah. And um, baffled because it wasn't true. But then, you know, like I said, she you know, she didn't mean to, you know. That's that's somebody that's new in fandom who who has a different interpretation because I think there has been and especially in the last it's at some point some I think it started me trying to like a, a movement a little bit to try to reclaim the Mary Sue. But the problem is with a very distributed fandom now where it's not in its neat little boxes, it's really hard to get a movement like that going. Like there's some movement that's been going on for a while now about this whole feedback thing, like a feedback. I just, I know sometimes that people like, it's like a cause for people to like rally behind. 
I just kind of read it and go, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> what feedback thing? Um, it was supposed to be like setting up a framework for feedback where like you would put it as an author, you would put the type of feedback you wanted and the type of responses you were willing to give. And then your readers would comment with the type of reply from the author they were willing to have. I don't know. It was just a little bit too, like I said, I read it and I went, this feels like a just some I sort just of burned weird... so many calories rolling my rolling. Eyes, I think I lost yeah. a pound. I don't know. And I'm not trying to diss anybody's thing that they're really, you know, passionate about. I'm like, but I'm just telling you, to me, that was just if it works for you and you want to push that, I'm never signing up for that crazy personally. That here I am dissing it. It just it makes no sense to me. I'm just I don't have that much time um to waste on um something as simple as my concept is if you don't have something nice to say go the fuck away that's that's it that's it <laughs> that's all i got to say so i'm not i'm not going to put a framework around if you can't be nice get off my site i think more and more my position is going to be don't start none won't be none <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's simple. And I just, I don't want to make the communication process complicated. If people, you know, and I talked to somebody about this one day and they tried to present the side that some nervous, some nervous, <laughs> some readers are very nervous about leaving comments because they're worried about that they might be forced to interact with the author because they're very introverted. Um, a framework is. Oh, boo. I think you should totally do that. <laughs> Yeah, I agree, boo. I don't care if somebody says it's rude. We we will come support you. Um, I am here for it. If you want to submit a critique of my work, I want to see a copy of your master's degree in English. And here we can actually say it. You do you, boo. <laughs> <laughs> but so we just, I, I just don't want to make my, if somebody is that insecure about communicating with me, a framework is probably not going to help. Um, but if, if they wanted to embrace that whole model of saying, look, I want to leave feedback, but I, I don't want to reply. And they say that I would totally honor it. Am I going to, you know, put that out there and put that framework on all my stories? Hell no. Because like Kira said, don't start none. There won't be none. That's all I got to say. I don't need a framework for that. Um, but anyway, so people, people have get, get, they get, you know, a passionate about something. And so there are some people out there who are trying to reclaim the whole Mary Sue thing about having um, original characters and, and not making Mary Sue a pejorative term. But, um, I, like I said, I think that, for starters, it's a thing that a lot of people in fandom don't like anyway. So it's going to be hard to get a lot of rally people to rally behind that. But also, with fandom being as distributed as it is across so many platforms, um, and a lot of people don't interface with fandom as such outside of reading fic. So there's a huge, huge group of people who they don't have fandom ties. They don't, you know, have fandom communities and they don't 
talk about fandom. They just read fic and go back about their lives. So getting an agreement reality going the way we used to 20 years ago, not so easy to do anymore. Um, I think that I encountered an agreement reality in the Sentinel. Oh, yeah, definitely. You see it sometimes in groups like on Facebook or in uh, on Tumblr, but it's not so much like in the archives anymore. It's existing in social media. But I agree with you. There was an agreement reality about Blair's characterization. But you also encountered that in uh, Stargate to a degree with the whole Jack can't be on bottom thing. I just... Okay. On... We were talking about Area 52 earlier. Well, there was um, in Area 52. There's actually a warning section that you, you can put in on your um, on your pick, <laughs> and one of the required warnings is bottom jack. Required warnings, or it used to be. It might not be now. Oh, it's still down. That's so sad. I actually enjoyed Area 52 beyond their craziness. Um, and bottom becomes apparently another one, and so. Um, I was like, I'm never warning for that. I am I am never going to warn for that. At the time, I really didn't see myself riding Jack O'Neill um, in a pairing, so I really wasn't too all concerned about it. But I still decided I was never warning for that. <laughs> I'm never warning for who's on bottom. Right, because it implies that there's something wrong with being on bottom. Right? Which is... You know... I know it's going to sound weird since this is actually about two men, but I think that's misogyny. Oh, it is. They're casting one character in the role of a female, and what they're saying is Jack couldn't possibly be the female in the relationship. So if you and make him one, I need to be warned for it. Like, I would be warned for murder and rape. It's just, it's ugly. It is that ugly. Is but this is probably coming from the same people who, not if it's doggy style, boo, but this is probably <laughs> coming from the same people who um, say that het sex in their slash stories, yucky. I'm like, you're a woman, a straight woman who I happen to know is married. What do you mean, yuck? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just... I, I mean, and we've we've all had that experience with someone we happen to know because, you know, they put it out there like we're on Facebook, right? And they have it in their fucking profile, their picture of themselves. And they talk about their husband and their and their dogs and their 4.2 children. And they're sitting there talking about, oh, this story had been good, but how this disgusting head sex in it. It's like, wow, disgusting head sex. Isn't that the kind of sex that you have? I don't get it. I don't. And on a for real tip, ladies, <clears throat> there's nothing clean about anal sex. Do we need to have that for real? She just burst in bubbles. So if you're going to compare vaginal sex and anal sex and decide vaginal sex is somehow dirtier 
you're ridiculous. Not dirty. They decide it's yucky. Yucky because they don't want to read a woman about a woman having sex. And that is, I don't know what that is. That's the fetishism of gay men. It is, well, yeah. It's it's either misogyny because and women can be very definitely be misogynistic and there's plenty of misogynistic women. Um, it's either misogyny or fetishism of gay men, and, and I don't think there's any other answer for it, right? Um, I did see a conversation, um, and this was not. She didn't say. She never said het sex was yucky. She said she didn't read het sex, and somebody asked her about, it, like, as a woman, why does het sex bother you? This is a discussion in a in a writer's group on Facebook, like literally an author's group. That was the like an author specific book. I don't remember which author though. Um, but somebody and she said that it was in her case. It's just her thing. Was that she reads gay romance because she really likes romances and she finds them appealing and she doesn't mind reading about sex. But she's ace and she particularly finds vaginal penetration horrible. She finds it horrific, and she can't relate that there's nothing relatable about two men having sex to her. So it doesn't push her buttons, and that's why she doesn't like reading about het, reading het sex because she can relate to the experience of what's happening and she doesn't want to relate. And that was, I thought, I thought her frankness was very refreshing and I thought it was an interesting point of view. Um, I get that. I can even see that. But what I can't see is a woman who's got three or four kids. She's married to a man. She's obviously having had sex saying it's yucky and like this woman she didn't say it was she didn't say het sex was yucky she said that if it had you know descriptive heterosexual sex in the story she wouldn't read it and then somebody challenged her about that well you're a woman why does this bother you she said it doesn't bother me in the way you mean it bothers me because i don't like relating to somebody having sex and when it's two men banging i can't relate to their experience but when it's a woman involved i can relate and i don't want to so, but anyway, um, so women are the hardest on women OCs. Um, now, it was a woman who rightly pointed out to me that I had no female characters in a story that had a trove of male OCs. Um, and that's when I kind of had my... In this case, it was because she felt like it was a little, and she did feel like it was a little bit misogynistic that I would have that many male OCs and, and no women. And it wasn't rooted in misogyny, but I could see her point that it would look might look like that. And it really is just about fandom and having come up in fandom at a time when it was expected that you wouldn't write female original characters. And so I didn't. I just don't have that habit. I didn't have that habit at that point. Um, and I wouldn't say that if I can, that, you know, if I, you know, I don't, obviously don't make every character, character <clears throat> I don't make every original character female now. Um, but if I can, I usually do, unless I'm doing a lot of original characters and the gender imbalance would start to be ridiculous. So, but anyway, but that was a wake up call for me um, to realize that I, I, I hadn't even realized what I was doing or even why, because I'd never thought about it. It was just like, hey, this is fandom. We don't write female originators. And I got that email. 
you know, and I had to, and I thought about it, I went, well, why don't I write female original characters? Just because that's the way it is, is not a good enough answer. So, so then the answer becomes, because I don't want to deal with the crap that would come with it. Right. Which is terrible. And I don't, I'm more likely to write the canon characters, Mary Sue-ish, than an original character. So, um, but people just, they see an original character and they assume this practically perfect character and and they just shut down. And the thing is, that's fine. If they don't want to read it, that's fine. The problem is, is they can't not say something. Why do you have to insert a Mary Sue here? It's not a Mary Sue. Of course she's a Mary Sue. She's an original character. It's a very... It's a, it's an ugly circle, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it's hard to... It's hard to... It, it's actually... It's, there's plenty of logic and you can just... But the thing is you shouldn't have to. And you don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. Which is one of the reasons why... Um, I like being on my own site. People, people who read my site, you know, they subscribe to my site. They're not going to encounter my stuff by accident. They're not going to encounter it in the latest, latest story list on AO3. They're, they're either a subscriber or they've come for a specific story and then they decide they want to stay, but they're not, there's not, they're going to be no accidentally running across any of my work. Right. So in theory, they know what <laughs> they know why they're there. Um, and, you know, yeah, sometimes people see, like, in Thick Finder groups, they'll see a link and they come to my site and they, they read one or two stories and then they stumble on something they really don't like and they let me know. But um, I find I get less of those, you know, those comments where people are just nitpicky creating, why did you have to do this? Or why did you have to do that? Or I really wish you had done this. Or I get, I get so much less of it by moving off the, moving off of AO3. I get so much less of it. Um, I mean, if I wrote a story called the Mary Sue and put it chock full of Mary Sue's, um, I might get a little bit, of critique on that on my own site, but I would get a trove of it on AO3. And I and I, I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> so someone, someone, okay. Harry Potter on um, fanfiction.net is a very large fandom. There's a lot of Harry Potter work on on fanfiction.net. Uh, someone um, messaged me on Facebook and says that I should put my work on fanfiction.net um, to increase my audience. You're you're way too dirty, but also you don't need that. Oh, oh, I said, I said, actually, I said, well, I don't actually need to increase my audience. Um, people don't have a problem finding me. And I'm too dirty for fanfiction.net. She says, well, there are other dirty, there, there's other dirty writing on. I said, yes, but here's the thing about me. I'm very polarizing. People either love me or they hate me. If I posted something even remotely dirty on fanfiction.net, it would get reported 3,000 times in an hour and be removed. So why waste my time with that? 
Yeah. They and they would. They'd report you even if you were on AO3, even though the reports would go nowhere. <laughs> I'm sure there's because some people asshole. do love me or they hate me, and there really is no in between. And I'm and I've actually had that. What is it? What, dichotomy? Is that the right word for that? My whole life. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure that there are people who reported you to GoDaddy attempting to <laughs> do something. to Because somebody reported me. Did they really? Yeah. So I'm sure it's happened to you. I'm sure it which has. Is how, which is how my site got flagged as being containing pornography. Now, GoDaddy doesn't care. I'm just not eligible for certain levels of support if I have pornography. And I ask them what they mean by pornography. And it's all visual is what they mean. Because they're not going to put their support people in a position of having to see naked people. I guess, you know, which I understand. I get but, it. But when I dug into it with one of, those, one of the escalation people, he said, oh, this was based upon a report, a report that, that your site contained pornography. And they're like, uh-huh. So oh, I'm sure I've been reported because for like a whole year there, I got religious propaganda in my email every day telling me I was going to hell for writing gay sex. And several personal letters, like actual people, not just spamming, but actual people emailing me telling me I was going to hell for writing gay sex. And I was like, look, if hell exists and I'm going, it won't be for that. Italy for a much more interesting reason. I don't believe in hell, actually. But if but but if it exists and I'm going there, I got a bus. Y'all bitches get in. You just say I already put, you just prepared to be entertained by the list of reasons as to why I'm there that had nothing to do with having written gay porn. Yeah, you say I punched that ticket. <laughs> long before I started writing gay porn. So thanks for the warning. Off you go. You're not you're not old enough here for to be on the site. But they eventually stopped trying to save me because I haven't gotten any of that in years. I'm not asking for it. It's been years. <sighs> Huffing is actually good for you. It's good for you. Not the reason why you're huffing is not good for you, but the actual huffing. Really? The whole, yeah, because you need that. It's huffing is kind of a type of a sigh, and sighing is part of the full breath cycle, which you need to do X number of times an hour. So I figure that a huff is um, me taking care of my lungs. I just wish people wouldn't make it a necessity. I'd prefer to, you know. I accept your reasoning. It's like, well, fine um so the biggest issue for 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 me as a writer with the mary sue is i don't want to hear about it because i actually I, i'll be honest i don't like reading mary sue's i can spot a mary sue um i don't care with male female canon character or not and i don't really do not want to have the discussion with somebody again about can a canon character be a mary sue um, as Kira pointed out, all characters at one point were original. And if they're practically perfect in every way, the only one who gets away with that is fucking Mary Poppins and everybody else is a Mary Sue. Um, yep. Yep. So, or Gary Stu, whatever you want to call him. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm willing to call a male character a Mary Sue. I don't, I don't need to have a, a male 
gendered name to know what it is, but I could spot them from a mile off. I find them to be contrived. I find that they, uh, I, I find Mary Sue's typically 99.9% .9 of the time to be bad craft. And I'm not interested in reading it for that reason. On the other hand, I love a good original character. There is no disconnect. There's no dissonance between those two ideas that I dislike reading a Mary Sue and I like reading a good original character because they're not the same thing. Fandom, are you listening? Probably not. That one woman who was all pissy with me because she'd realized, you know, I pointed out to her that Matt Shepard was actually an OC. Um, and she wanted me to start listing um, all my OCs on my stories. And I told her no. And she said, well, how am I supposed to read your work? I said, oh, I guess that means you don't. I bet you they didn't like that. I only list Kira's OCs. I don't list my own. <laughs> Because if I'm borrowing her, because <laughs> if I'm borrowing her OCs, it's rude to do it with that attribution. But also, the other another reason why I absolutely always list Kira's OCs when I borrow them, even if it's fucking Matt Shepard, um, is because which everybody I feel like everybody knows is is Kira's OC at this point. But I don't want to be wrong about that. Is because it encourages people to think a character is canon. When more than one author is using a character, people start who don't know the canon well start to think that that's a canon character. And I don't want to, my lack of attribution results in somebody else appropriating her character without attribution. But also the other side of it is I do have, I, I do have those fans that will call you out. And you just don't want to be. And you then they'll ask email them not to. <laughs> And then, <laughs> then they'll, they'll email, email me. Did you know so and so used your original character and didn't attribute? Are you aware? Are you did you know this? And like, here's a link. Out. Is this plagiarism? It's not. <laughs> it's not plagiarism. Although, if Kira wrote a book with a with one of her, and somebody took one of her characters and wrote another book, it would be copyright infringement if they took one of her original characters without her permission that and wrote it for sale. But it wouldn't be, yeah, for sale. But it wouldn't be plagiarism. It would be copyright infringement. Well, copyright infringement is actually, honestly, easier to, to sue for than plagiarism. Yeah. And even with copyright infringement, you have to be very... It, you have to be very able to really prove. Because you can't... Even if somebody actually were to write a character named Harry Potter, unless he's a wizard who goes to a magical school, you couldn't say that they infringed on the copyright with Harry Potter. If they have some like guy who works at Starbucks because his name is Harry Potter, they're not actually infringing on copyright because those are two common names. And I just feel immediately sorry for that guy, Harry Potter, working at Starbucks. <laughs> I would fucking change my name. I don't care how much I liked my name. I'd fucking change it. I'd be like... Why the hell did she have to name? I'd be, I'd be, I'd feel totally victimized. Like, why'd she have to name that character Harry Potter? For fuck's sake! All the Harold Potters in the world right now are double birding you, J.K. Rowling. Um, so copyright infringement is, but if somebody put a wizard named Harry Potter into their story, who had come from, who who was raised in England and went to a magical school, it doesn't matter if they changed the names. There'd be a really good case for copyright infringement, but not plagiarism. Because the character, as you know, as they define it, you know, she owns 
that expression of that character. Unless it was written as satire. And right. satire is protected speech. It's protected as a transformative work. But that's a whole different podcast. Anyway. <laughs> so attribution, though, just saves you trouble. It saves the author you are um, borrowing from trouble. Kira's got a permissions page. It basically said, and one of the things that it does, your permissions page says about OC attribution, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So you can always even link to Kira's, Kira's permission page and say, I'm doing this with permission. Here, go check it out. No need to bother me or her. Please don't bother me. And honestly, one of my least favorite, the funny thing is if someone was outright plagiarizing me, I would absolutely want to know. But one of my least favorite types of emails to get is the, did you know that so-and-so wrote this idea or wrote this idea that you talked about in the podcast? Or did you know that so-and-so's story kind of pretty much mirrors this other story of yours? Or did you know that so-and-so did this? Or the, I'm like, <sighs> And it's not that I don't appreciate the person looking out for me. I do appreciate their intention, but there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I'm going to do about it. Um, and so it's just a source of frustration. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that start by naming her Kira are definitely like in her top five of least favorite emails to get. <laughs> I haven't gotten one of those in a while. But yeah, for a while there, I was like, there was this, this Dodo who just kept writing me and calling me Kira. And I was like, <sighs> <laughs> And I thought she was just clueless. And she didn't realize she was on juliejames.com. But then she'd say something sometimes like, I don't know how you keep up with both websites and your writing schedule between your two pen names. I'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> we, we, we don't even have the same narrative style. No. But she asked if I was going to get back to any of my Jilly stories anytime in the future because I hadn't posted in a while. I was like, <sighs> I was tempted to respond, but at least you're getting something. Because clearly, <laughs> clearly she thought she was. <laughs> I can't. But no, we we don't. We have we have our narrative style is is night and day. Yeah, yeah. I think Lady Holder's narrative style is sort of between ours, so. I think it'd be easy, kind of easy for you two to adapt to each other and probably for Lady Holder and I to adapt to each other. But you and I have a lot further to go to adapt yeah, to each I other's mean, narrative style. Yeah, because you write a deep third person and I don't. I mean, I write, um, I guess I guess you would call it, I don't want to call my writing shallow, but I do tend to skirt the top of the POV. Whereas you're, like I said, I think it'd be actually very easy for you to change a lot of your work to first person. Because your yeah, third person it, is so deep. And it comes from writing, you know, more than if I probably wrote my first million, million and a half words of any writing style in all in first person. I've written more work. Well, not more at this point, probably not. But close. I probably have almost equal amounts written. So when you consider that I've got easily more than a million words written as Jilly James across all the places I've got stuff posted. Um Plus what I've, and you consider that I've got equal amounts written in first person and that the, most of the Jilly stuff's all written in third person. So the switch, um, the switch from, from 
going from first person and when I started writing third per, third person, it was a it was a deep POV without without having to figure out what the first time I heard about deep third person, I was like, I wonder what that is. And I start reading about it and I go, Oh, that's what I already do. <laughs> but I do tend to to skim across the top of the POV um in third person. Uh but then I can switch over and write first person as well. I mean, but I, I I think when I was younger, I was more comfortable in first person. But as I've gotten older, um, I'm more comfortable in third person. But I can do either. The only POV I will not write is second person. Um, I don't particularly enjoy omniscient because I don't think I'm good at it. And um, I think the omniscient point of view is either it's something you can do really well or you can't. Yeah, I, I think you can learn it, but it's just, it, it but, takes but a lot a, of practice. to. There's feel. a headspace required that I don't have. And sometimes when I'm writing sex, all of a sudden I go from past tense to present tense. But, uh, the, only, the only time second person works for me remotely is that apostolary thing. Oh, you mean uh, like writing letters back and forth to each other? Mm-hmm. But, it's, but it's, it's because the characters are talking to each other. They're not talking to the audience. When, the, when it's... A, oh, did... Wait a minute. Did Chad cut off again? No, he didn't. Oh, never mind. Well, I haven't gotten a notification. No, it's it's the way he's been changing his nickname. It's giving me heartburn. Okay. Um... Sorry, my, my says sometimes that she's not careful. She writes an objective point of view. I have to say, as a reader, I find objective point of view. The only thing I find less entertaining to read than objective point of view would be second person. <laughs> um, objective point of view. Um, you can, I can, I can read objective point of view for a while and not know it's an objective point of view, but there comes a point where I start to miss the intimacy and then it starts to kind of be like, mm. like you're reading stereo instructions. Yeah. I mean, sometimes because your narrative is not all, but you can, you can have scenes that feel almost objective, but then you, but then the next scene, it's not objective. It's not, it, there's that intimacy again. So, um, Sometimes the briskness of I think of your narrative can feel a little bit on the objective side, but it, it it's only moments or scenes where like your higher action tends to feel more like that. Talk about me? Yeah, you. Not you. It, it's like there's some scenes where you are. It's like very brisk, and there's not a lot of subjective information being presented. So it feel has like an objective vibe to it, but that's like isolated scenes. Generally you, you have that intimacy is there, but I would say it's almost more like when you're like doing action. I hate writing action. That there kind of sometimes winds up being this objective, but objective can be something, an objective POV can be something you don't notice for a while, because if you don't need a character's subjective viewpoint, in a scene, the re reader won't notice the POV, right? They won't notice that it's not missing because it's not needed. It's when it's needed and it's not there that you go, why are we, what is this POV? Um, and 
I, I find that objective POV, like I said, it can work for a while, but there will come a point a lot of times when I'm reading a story that's, that is lacking, when I feel like it's lacking emotion or, or intimacy, it's because the POV is too objective. It's like, get in somebody's head. I don't, I just don't even care who. Put a fucking fly on the wall and give him a POV. <laughs> Tell me what the dog's feeling. <laughs> give Jarvis a POV. I don't care. Just somebody. This, this is all just dialogue. I mean, and... Mm. There is one N- writer that I swear N- she's NCIS is like they're allergic to dialogue tags, and so it's like all you get is like dialogue. Oh, and there's, there's no description, one... there's no narrative, it's just dialogue. There's one writer she she does write a lot of NCIS, but she writes in a lot of fandoms, but she has a ton of NCIS, and it, it she's 95% dialogue, and she doesn't bother like most of the time talking and saying who's speaking, and so it's like. I have no idea who said that. I have no idea what any of this means. There's no, there's very, there's, you know, what little narrative there is. It's, it's movement. So it's almost an objective point of view, but it's too objective. It's, it's subjective to the point of like, I, I find it unreadable. Um, it's almost like she's writing a script. Yeah. Except she's, except the script would be more readable because at least it would tell you who was speaking. <laughs> it would be, it would be uh, labeled. <laughs> so let's talk about the origins of the Mary Sue. Um, the Mary Sue goes back to the year I was born, 1973. Um, so I'm going to read you a little, a little excerpt from where from where this came from. So according to Wikipedia, the term Mary Sue comes from the name of a character created by Paula Smith in 1973 for her parody story, a. T- Trekkie's Tale, published in her fanzine Menagerie Number no. 2. The story starred Lieutenant Mary Sue, the youngest lieutenant in the fleet, only 15 and a half years old, and satirized unrealistic characters in Star Trek fan fiction. The exact story reads, and I'm going to read an excerpt of this because otherwise that'd be squiffy. Golly Gee, golly, gosh, Gloriski, thought Mary Sue as she stepped on the bridge of the Enterprise. Here I am, the youngest lieutenant in the fleet, only 15 and a half years old. Captain Kirk came up, came up to her. Oh, lieutenant, I love you madly. Will you come to bed with me? Captain, I'm not that... <laughs> Captain, I am not that kind of girl. You're right, and I respect you for it. Here, take over the ship for a minute while I go and get some coffee for us. Mr. Spock came onto the bridge. What are you doing in the command seat, Lieutenant? The captain told me to. Flawlessly logical, I admire your mind. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. (laughs) So... There's the origins of Mary Sue. Mary, Mary Sue was... Um, and she came, she was a sad, the term, the, the name of the character, what we call Mary Sue, was a satire of what was a trend in fan fiction in the 70s, right? Um, <laughs> and so that's the origins of Mary Sue. And Obviously, this thing would not have been what it was um, if it hadn't annoyed people, if it wasn't a prevalent trend, and if it wasn't irritating. Oh, the author even, she even, oh, huh. I'll put this in the, in the chat. The author even um, sketched Mary Sue for her zine. <laughs> 
course she's got a bow in her hair. Well, it's a, it, the thing is, it is a satire of actual stories. Of, of, it was an amalgamation of the stories, a satirized character, you know, that was an amalgamation of the characters that were being written about seriously. So if you were reading Star Trek fan fiction back, you know, in the early 70s, or I guess, you know, maybe even the very late 60s, you... Um, Maybe you may have read um, a character that read a lot like that, and she was making obviously exaggerating her traits and 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 probably her age and all that stuff. Um, was that rude? <laughs> yeah, no, not really. I think it's funny. <laughs> And you got to think about, this is back in the 70s. This is such an annoying thing. At a time when Star Trek was, was passed around through the mail, it was handed from person to person, right? Um, it was so annoying. It was annoying. a dark time in our history. Right. But there couldn't have been a ton of fan fiction right there couldn't have been there couldn't have been so much of it because they're passing it around paper and yet there was this was such a pervasive character trope that within a few years of the advent of fan fiction someone satirizing this awful characterization and it is awful it is an awful characterization because it's just it's it's that's not the way people work Even Wesley Crusher wasn't that much of a Mary Sue. I mean, no, because he pra practically the first thing he, he does he, is fuck up. Yeah, he has personal failures, and the thing is, is if Wesley Crusher had actually been a Mary Sue, um, his fuck ups would have been accepted as just part of his character, and they'd have been, like, oh, Wesley, it's okay. Even you know, even Picard would have been patting him on the shoulder. It's okay. <laughs> But that's not what happened. No, it really isn't what happened. Because that's not because part of what defines the Mary Sue is also how the other characters react to them. But while talking. while Wesley Crusher is not a self in, not a Mary Sue, he is in fact a self insert. Gene Roddenberry admitted that he patterned the character of Wesley Crusher after himself. And sometimes the self-insert, the goal of, I, to me, a goal of a self-insert is one you can't tell is a self-insert. Because I think if you're inserting, your, inserting yourself realistically into your stories, um, you, a realistic character would not, if you portray yourself realistically, you would not be able to pick it out as a self-insert or a character that didn't belong, right? Um, well, I suppose OCs should actually blend into your narrative in such a way that they don't feel out of place. Um, that just being an original character, the, their actions should cause movement and ripples in your story, not just their mere existence as um, as an original character. Your, your your reader and your narrative and your other characters shouldn't stumble upon you know stumble over them because of their Originalness. Does that make sense? They shouldn't feel like that. They they shouldn't stick out. In fact, they don't belong there. 
They should blend in like they were born there. So there's a question. So somebody asked, does this link to the vilification of women in fanfic, especially if they're in the way of sonship? Um, I do think... Personally, no. I don't think... Go ahead. Um, I think my answer would be indirectly, which is that we got so used to bashing original female characters that um, it just when when a woman female character was in the way of a ship um, as opposed to finding some other way to deal with them it just became the easier thing to do was just to vilify them of all the female characters I hate I hate them because they're badly written it isn't because they're in the, they're in the middle of my OTP because I can I, I can write that shit out of the way. Yeah, I can ignore I mean, it, pretend it didn't happen, give her a new I'm, boyfriend. I usually even the characters I can't stand. I I usually try to get out of the way in a more reasonable fashion but if they're, they're in the badly, way of my ship. When when but they're yeah. badly written, when they don't serve a real purpose in canon, like Jenny Weasley, um, practically anybody in Harry Potter canon could have taken the role, could have taken on the actions of Jenny Weasley, and it wouldn't have caused a damn difference in the in the series because she's she's cardboard. Yeah, she's she's two dimensional. She's not. She's one dimensional. I mean, she, so and Keller, she's just badly written. And Ziva. Ziva's inconsistently written. I don't know. The, I mean, I think I think they actually we talked about this. We think we think that from the way they positioned her early on, that they brought her in as a as a short term fill, and I think she was going to have an like an um an antagonist role by the end of the fourth season or something. She she was set up to be an antagonist. And then they did a, an about face on that. And and then they didn't want to rewrite a couple of episodes, which is just lazy as fuck. Um, but there were elements, I think, of her character craft that were really that were really solid. It's just it was coupled with a lot of things that were really detestable, which is really unfortunate. I mean, yeah, because not only did they set her up to be an antagonist, but they also let her to continue to do things that were just outside the realm of any sort of reality and expected the, the viewer to swallow it. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. she committed espionage, but yeah, she's going to come back and be a United States citizen and get a security clearance and work in a federal agency and it'll be fine. Because Gibbs said so. Right. It just it didn't make any sense. But when you look at her backstory, they gave her a much richer backstory than they usually give female characters. Form of Mossad, which means if she's Mossad, she would have spent time in the military. Um, uh, so she's been a spy, potentially an assassin. Um, if she really had turned on her brother and her father because she realized that what Ari was doing was detestable, that could have been a really good um, arc for her as a character, but of course that isn't actually what happened, uh, which we find out later. So they get they they set up some potential for some more interesting backstory that she wasn't, um, you know, that she wasn't an American would 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 have potentially been an interesting narrative point for the character. Uh, 
And I just, and I liked that she was tiny and was also a badass. And, but they just never were able to, to hang anything interesting on her. They made her sort of verbally abusive and they made, they just, they, they did so many things that were just really unrealistic with her. And then, and then they threw in the espionage angle and it just, uh, 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 uh. it just wasn't good. It just wasn't good. So I just I disliked her for the choices they made with her, uh, but some characters, some female characters, I dislike because there's nothing there. They just don't develop them. They're just they're just pretty props, you know. And I just I'm like I have no use for that. But I my, definitely one of my major issues with Ziva is not only did they make her aggressive, they also made her incompetent. Yes, that's true. So that she's all talk and absolutely no action. I mean, they seemed like they were going to make her competent up front, but then they very quickly, because um, uh, she, she showed a remarkable amount of incompetence in Boxed In. And I mean, that's, that's just like, um, it, it makes you want to go ask Eli DeV before he got himself killed. So when Ziva killed Ari on your orders did was Ari ordered to stand still and take the bullet because <laughs> she clearly couldn't hit the broad side of a barn I think they did want to fetishize her because she was a woman of color well they, they didn't actually pursue that angle very much at least not that I recall Well, the surprise baby at the end of the when Tony's departure, that was about Gibbs. That surprise baby was about Gibbs. That wasn't about Ziva or Tony. That so this is, is my opinion. That was all about Gibbs. Is they had to get they wanted Tony and Gibbs to leave on good terms and they needed Tony a reason that Gibbs would be supportive of. And Gibbs had always been the one thing they were reasonably consistent about with Gibbs in Canon was about him about with the way he was about kids. So if Tony's got a daughter, of course Gibbs is going to be supportive of Tony leaving. And honestly, their relationship was so fucked up in that season that and of course Tony could only leave if Gibbs approved of it. Of course, that's my point. Is that it was all about Gibbs. They were giving. I think I've lost three pounds on this podcast, just rolling my eyeballs and the huffing and the huffing. Burn some, you burned some calories from the huffing. Um. I think I deserve a cookie for this. Like you do deserve a cookie. I think I deserve some cheese puffs, but I won't call them by their name because that would be rude. <laughs> Wouldn't want to put anybody off their snacks. Um, I just don't think that I don't think that writers on NCS write women well. If oh. I mean when their go-to solution is putting a bullet in one's head. Uh, so, uh, when Gibbs is through with them, <laughs> I, just, I just, there's so much dick privilege on NCIS that it blows my stunning mind. <laughs> so, to, to quote myself. But I do, th I, I don't, it's hard to, I think this is difficult to, direct between the Mary Sue thing and the vilification of women in fanfic. Um, but I do think that there is 
in some circles where there is a canon het pairing that is between someone's slash pairing of choice that for a long time fandom's reaction to that female character was she's an awful no good whatever and she would be utterly bashed in fanfic um I mean, I just don't understand why it needs to be that difficult. Just have the just have the just have them break up. They usually right. do it eventually. In, they usually do it eventually in canon anyway. Just just break them up. Get them divorced. Unless it's Jenny Weasley, and then do what you will. Yeah, <laughs> just just break them up. It's not you know if it's if it's if it's if you're writing Harry Potter, just have them never get together. You know, I mean, it's not difficult to deal with them, but I mean, I think that for people, people didn't like these characters, or maybe they didn't like that fan that that the show wasn't putting you know embracing their preferred slash pairing or or whatever. Um, Which honestly is wishful thinking. Like ninety nine percent of the time, that is utterly wishful thinking on your part. Yeah, I I don't when this stuff when this kind of these these traits this kind of this trend in fan fiction started which was way way back i don't think there was queer baiting going on well while, while i do think and we've seen some very clear evidence of queer queer baiting in um teen wolf in teen wolf and some other other yeah especially you teen wolf especially i mean they the fucking mtv had uh had like ship voting and stuff about most appealing ships and stuff. And they're the ones who put Derek and Styles up. And it's just, they included Derek and Styles in their own fan awards as a pairing. And then, which was sort of teasing along, keeping people interested. And when they realized the fans wanted them to put up or shut up, they're like, Oh no, we got to back the fuck off of it. This. So I do think that there which makes is- no sense because the showrunner is a gay man. So what the fuck is he afraid of? His audience was 110% on board with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, Derek and Styles swept those awards, right? Those all those fan awards that MTV did. Um, but it was like it clearly the fans loved it. So, but anyway, so the queer baiting is definitely an, an actual thing. But not every time two gay two 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 male characters who interact well on screen don't get together it's not every time it's not queer baiting it certainly wasn't and i would think most of the time like here says wishful thinking on the part of the audience we you know looking through slash goggles um especially in these shows I mean, you can do what you want with these characters but i think it's it's disingenuous and um um the worst kind of denial to ignore the actual canons of the show. And we, we talked about Jack O'Neill, who's, you know, in canon, in SG-1 canon, he is in love with Sam Carter. Oh, and his boner for her was almost from the beginning, so... And you can't, I mean, you can you can ignore it, you can not write it, but you can't deny it. It's right there. He almost gets himself killed not once, but twice, because he's, one, he's trying to cover up how he feels about Sam Carter. And the other time is they, he can't leave her. When they have those stupid bracelets on, you know, during the, the Bowling for Jaffa episode, they come busting out of the gate, they get stuck and she tells him to leave. And he said, he can't, he can't leave her. He's in love with her. So you don't have to write it, but saying it doesn't exist is ridiculous. And it makes you look like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, well, I see it all the time in fan. Oh, that's not true. That's not it is. It's actually fucking canon. 
You don't have to write it. <laughs> but don't well, but tell me lies. <laughs> and there are some shows where they ha they have the chemistry between these characters, the male and female character, from the moment they meet. You know, they may drag it on for three years getting them together, which is like one of the most annoying ways of approaching a romance is to just drag on the, 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 the romance, them, them even kissing for the first time for that long. But it, they still wrote it in there. It's written in from, from the time that they met in the very first episode, it was there. And to deny that it's there because it, you, you see better pairing with the guy he's partnered with. I don't, I don't know how you can deny it. It, it, it was what was written. And it doesn't mean he doesn't have chemistry. I'm, I'm fine with your slash goggles, but if you want to break them up, just break them up. It's not difficult, but they do often, often what we see is that the, the character, the female character that is in the way of the slash pairing um, is turned into a villain of some sort. She's evil in some fashion. And I just, if you want, if you want to do that, go ahead. You do you, but it's not necessary. It is pretty easy that, that to me, when I see that, when I see that, I'm assuming they're just angry at the show, having this daring to put this female character in the romantic, in the romantic lead. Um, just get over it. That's not going to change. I, um, I went out of my way, not to bash pepper pots and unleash your demons because, and that was actually difficult um, because I dislike the character and the actress who plays her. Yeah. The actress I mean, who plays her is an, is an elitist snot and kind of dumb. Um, bless her heart. Uh, and pepper is a naggy entitled selfish twat. I, or as what was what was the word was that boo that said twatopotamus up above? Twatopotamus, yeah, she's a twatopotamus. <laughs> she's the, she's the knight's twatopotamus. We're going to just designate a twatopotamus a knight. Tonight's twatopotamus. <laughs> and, but is I went pot. out of my way not to bash her. Um, the character I find, I I find the character just her nagging and her her di disapproval the way she treats tony and canon is just so She's irritating so, like i said her best moment in canon her single best moment in canon is when tony stark is dying yeah she it finally single, she, she finally acted like a decent girl girlfriend he when he's yeah. She acts like a decent supportive partner the moment he's dying. It's like, wow, you sure waited to phone that one in. I mean, um, I, I can forgive her a lot for that, actually. Because, um, and I had not seen that before I watched Unleash Your Demons. I mean, before I wrote. Before I wrote Unleash, Unleash Your Demons. Um, but in that moment, in his, in, in his final moment, she was exactly what he needed. And all I can think to myself is, where, where, where have you been, Pepper Potts? They were making her a obstacle for Tony in many cases. Um, 
Which is and it's just bad they writing. should have done it was it is bad writing. And a lot of times when it comes down to these female characters we don't like, it it just comes down to bad writing. And we see a lot more bad writing with female characters than we do with male characters. It is an unfortunate reality. So, you know, like if I were to issue it as like a, a challenge to fandom, it was like do a better job with the female characters. You know, you don't need to jump on the bash train. Just do better. You, you, is that the point? As we're fixing the things in canon we don't like. Well, if we don't like the way the female characters are handled in canon, but I would say I'm actually an equal opportunity basher. Well, yeah, you are. Yeah, I don't have a problem with people bashing the characters <laughs> they don't like. I'm just, I just, I think that, um, I don't care what's in your pants if I don't like you. Right. <laughs> but this thing that happened with these female characters just being trashed and honestly sometimes they were characters who were perfectly reasonable um there was nothing all that all that was wrong with these characters was was that they happened to be in a relationship and if they hadn't been in a relationship with the with the with the main guy in the show they would never have been treated to that abuse in fan fiction and it's just i think if a character is badly written or you don't like them you do what you gotta do, but the only thing that's wrong with the character is that the show writers put them in bed with with your slash half of choice. Just tell fucking... NCIS bashes ex uh, gives his ex wives for us. Yeah, but you know you can try Except to take for the first one. You know, well, not the ex wife, but the dead wife. They don't bash the dead wife because she's perfect, but <laughs> all the other ones are fair game. Yeah, but I would just you know I would challenge people to just write do it better. Just break them up. And if you if you if you think a character is, um, we talked about you know we, we need to reclaim all of the MCU characters, but definitely the women. Except Okoye, she's practically perfect exactly the way she is. You want to put a Mary fucking Mary Sue in your story? You go get Okoye and put her in because <laughs> she's fucking awesome. She's perfect just the way she is. Fight me. <laughs> Better yet, fight her. <laughs> Hold her wig. <laughs> I, you know, Keller could have been awesome. But the timeline, her, her timeline was wrong. Um, she was too young for the role they gave her. They made her ethics shit. Um, her dialogue was often awkward and badly written. Um, like they were trying to pay, put... Um, play her off as some awkward genius like McKay, which didn't work. As far as the relationship with McKay, that was geek service. Um, it, the writers of the show admitted that they wanted to give the nerd the cheerleader. Yeah. Very charming. It, it's just... Keller comes down to bad writing because I love the character. I mean, I, I loved the character when I first saw her. I was like, yeah, yeah, awesome. I love Jewel State. I can't wait to see what they do with her. Then look what they did with her. And they turned I her want, into a, I to a nerd, people. nerd boy fantasy. They might as well put her in a cheerleader uniform and pigtails. And I went from happy to see Jewel to disgusted. Also disgusted on her behalf because, you know, she deserved better than that. Yeah, she really did. 
the the character of Weir. I wish that he kept the original casting. She was a little. She, she had a harder edge, and she was um, much more interesting. They did retcon her when, when they recast her. It like Jill was talking about earlier. Um, the fact of the matter is, the original Elizabeth Weir negotiated with the Gold to tell them who they could have slaves. Um, who um, um who they could keep as slaves, which is ugly as fuck. It's it's ugly as fuck. No matter how you cut it, right? It's it's ugly. Yeah. Um, but she was interesting. She had um. She was dynamic, and she she had um, she is multifaceted. She's multifaceted as a character. Um, and then we got Mom Weir. You know, am I the only one who ever thought that she mommed John and Rodney, or was that just me? I never understood that whole Weir John pairing because she treated him like a naughty child. And she never respected him. And why would you want to pair him with somebody who doesn't respect him? Oh, I would not say that's actually true at all. That most men respect isn't part of a relationship. I don't, I don't see that at all. In fact, I would say that even men who don't respect others, and especially don't respect women, demand respect for themselves. But John, as a character, was very respectful of women. So... The idea of, of him tolerating someone in his intimate life being so disrespectful to him as an, as an adult, as literally an adult, <laughs> not just his career or his intelligence, but as an adult is insane. But I have rarely in my life met a man who didn't demand as much respect as possible from everybody around him. The dick privilege is real. Now, whether they give that respect back or not is questionable. I've not watched Doctor Strange yet, but I guess I need to. Well, you've seen enough of Doctor Strange. That, well, from what you saw of him in the other movies, you felt like he was a dick. Which exactly, I which I don't disagree with you. I just think that you don't hit the the Brett. You're seeing a very shallow slice of his character because you didn't see the movie. Right. But um, but it's just I I there's just a discussion in chat about you know. Um, I guess there's, there's, and I'm not going to call anybody out about this. There were, there were, and I've seen this online about people who didn't like some of the things Shuri said in canon. Um, and there, some of those people really felt like that that was a fuck up on her character. And then I've seen in more places than in the chat room tonight, but I've seen this argument before. It's like, well, those kind of traits are the same as in um, Tony Stark and, and Stephen Strange. Um, and, I agree. The traits are very similar. It's not un un uncommon for geniuses to have similar level to be, to, to, especially if they're very competent in their field to have a, a level of arrogance. Um, but um, I would say that in canon, neither Stephen or Tony, that their arrogance was portrayed by anybody around them as being positive. It was actually usually they were criticized for it. So, or disliked for it. So that to me is why um, this is with Shuri. It was an example of what we talked about, which is it's not a flaw. If nobody around the character treats it like a flaw and no one treated her, her arrogance and disrespect the few times, there are just a couple of lines. It wasn't a lot, but for me, it was a couple of key lines where I just kind of cringed. Um, and nobody I'm sorry, treated it. I will never not find it funny that she called Martin Freeman a colonizer. 
that was not a problem for me. I'm not talking okay. about that. I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking about she was very disrespectful to Bruce Banner. She was very disrespectful about and about Tony Stark. But I'm not talking about the colonizer thing. I'm talking about the way she acted about other people's technology. She was super arrogant. And nobody had any kind of disconnect about it. And to me, that was the difference, is it was portrayed as cute and charming from her. Um, and I thought it was a bad choice to, because it's not a flaw if nobody thinks it's a flaw. So that's just my opinion. My husband had a problem with her character because in the comic book canon, um, Shuri's accomplishments in the movie are actually T'Challa's. And in the comic book canon, she's an antagonist. Eventually, she tries to take the throne. Um, but T'Challa is the one who developed who's in the sciences, who's the genius. Who And he said that he felt like it was taking away from... Um, the character of T'Challa as a black superhero, which he's very, very invested in because he's a, a man of, of, of African descent. And he looked forward to the character of Black Panther coming onto the scene and um, representing um, the, the competence and intelligence of a black man, only to have his intelligence and accomplishments given to a 16-year-old girl. I think 15. 15? Uh, he was he was like that was actually one of the stopping points for him in the movie he was he was deeply unhappy with it but t'challa is very intelligent in the comics he creates a lot of his own technology he's basically he's basically the black tony stark i mean he's you know he's he's on it he's on his game he is he's um yeah it's just you know yeah, my issue with Shuri was completely, I mean, I thought she was cute, I thought she was charming, and all of that, which is what they wanted me to think, okay? Mission accomplished. But my issue with her was that she was 15, and she didn't think she had anything to learn from anybody else. I mean, she was at that level of arrogance with her skills. And maybe she didn't, but I have that find it hard to believe that as a 15-year-old, that she has nothing to learn from anybody on the planet, that everybody is just inferior to where she's at personally. It just, it's just, and it was in a few lines, a few key lines that they set her up to be unrelatable, which is the exact opposite of what you would have wanted with that character. So I, I agree with you that I would have rather they stuck with the comic book canon, let that have been. What would be more interesting is if we, you know, she obviously failed in her mission to remove the Mind Stone from Vision. Um, but the implication is she could have succeeded if she'd had more time. But it would have been nice to have that fail, for her to just genuinely face that failure um, as a moment of humility. But what we didn't get that. Um, so what they're doing is they're setting her up for... I, I, she need. If you're going to make her relatable, they're going to have to give her a big in-your-face failure in the next movie. And it's going to be ugly. But she's 15. And 15-year-olds are arrogant as fuck. <laughs> yeah, they are. Which is why you don't, you know, you don't literally make them the head of... Because I actually thought it was a valid point. I would have probably made the same point. I don't care how competent she is. she need, Her brain isn't fucking fully developed. She needs to be supervised. Um... And what she's doing, there needs to be peer review, a, a peer review and somebody above her because 15 year olds don't always think everything through. I mean, it's like, it is like the motto of teenagers the world round is it seemed like a good idea at the time. At the time. 
Also, I did. I have to say, the one line of hers that really got me going was when she asked why they hadn't done this thing with Vision a different way. And Bruce looked kind of sheepish and said, because we didn't think of it. I have a really hard time believing that between Dr. Cho, um, Tony Stark, and Bruce Banner, that there was an approach that they didn't think of. Right. I mean, my brain just melted. I mean, it just melted. I was like, oh, come on. Um, it, this wasn't a case of, because that was, that made it not a case of Wakanda's in, uh, much advanced technology being a factor, as it was um, an arrogant 15-year-old was going to be the de- the deciding factor on, you know. I mean, because if, if, if she was that good, why didn't they already have synthesoids in Wakanda if, if it was that easy for her? Why didn't um, they already have full AIs in Wakanda if it was that easy for her. So it just, it was, um, it, they, with a couple, and it was just like I said, with a couple of key lines, they set her up to be unrelatable. Um, but I do think the reaction to her from fans was a little over the top. Um, but the argument that, this is, comes back to that the argument that people don't diss Tony Stark and that that Stephen Strange and and Tony Stark have the same traits. Well, a okay, I'm, I am going to point out that they have a lot more life experience to back up the application of their genius and and what what they've done with it. But that aside, they actually are not praised for the trait those traits in canon. As a matter of fact, Tony Stark is beat up about his arrogance all the time in canon. Sometimes with so, a weapon and sometimes with a bare fist. <laughs> sometimes with a sh- sometimes with a vibranium shield. So, um, oh, too soon. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Um, well, I mean, there could have been somebody. I, I'm I'm not sure. I, I'm, this may be a. This feel like it's a. There could have been somebody supervising the science department, but that certainly isn't the way it was presented. And actually, it that's one of the sticking points for M'Baku was he actually talked about the head of the sciences being a 15 year old. That was one of the foundations for his challenge. It's because a 15 year old running the sciences for their people pissed him off. So I think Canon sort of does say basically, at least it heavily implies that she was running the show, which is not good. And so that was early on in the movie. So, um, yeah, that it was something like you would have a child lead the science of our nation. So, and they set that up to be that Mbaku was the bad guy for saying that. But I'd have thought it, frankly, too. You have you're a 15 year old leading the science department, really, in in a nation this technologically advanced. Um, and considering her privilege, and it wouldn't matter if it was she was male or female, considering the level of privilege uh, a prince or princess in would have there's going to be hard to have checks on her. I would agree. Now you want to hand the nation over to this prince who could not keep his father safe. We will not have it. I said, we will not have. Oh, oh, I'm Baco. Yeah. You would so, have our technological advancements overseen by a child. So they are. So the, the implication is that she isn't, she is in charge of their nation's scientific development. Yeah. So, I'm just saying that I understand why people found her that that frustrating. Did I find it so frustrating that I would like write a rant or go on a a, a, a you know bash bash the character? No, not personally. Um, I thought there was more good about her than bad, but I understand the source of people's frustration. 
with and it and it 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 actually speaks to how critical it is to consider every aspect of what a character says because it really is just a few lines in the story in the movie and movies actually um that created this problem it's a few lines of dialogue that could have easily been addressed and they did this plot point this this source of contention between t'challa and mbaku um they could have found other ways to have have made them tense than to throw shuri in there but it was convenient right oh well we're gonna have him be upset that there's a 15 year old and make him see a 15 year old leading the sciences of this nation and make him seem like he's unreasonable for feeling that way. Right. That's kind of crazy actually. So they did a good job of getting people to buy into um, what was a bad argument to begin with. The thing is I liked her character. I thought she was adorable. I, um, I enjoyed the actress who played her. Um, But my husband's dissatisfaction with it and his reasons behind it kind of tainted her for me. And I was like, well, why'd they go and do that? Why would they do that? Why would they take that away from T'Challa and give it to her? Because they didn't want to set her up as a villain in the Black Panther series, obviously. And she is apparently a villain in the comic books eventually. Um, but right, they could have given her her own accomplishments, but they chose to give her to T'Challa's instead. Um, and it's just ugly. So Boo says in the comics she challenges T'Challa multiple times. So she's an interesting um, character to kind of look at. Cause, but it shows that people can be very black or white about a character. It's either all good or all bad, as opposed to finding what, what the middle ground is about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think I kind of like sit in the middle ground on her, as I do... F- I did get annoyed at um, some of the, some of the things she said, but that overall I liked her character. So I understand people's frustration with her. So I, I see both sides of it. Um, And I agree that I think that having um, her be um, her take T'Challa's achievements is kind of a bullshit thing to do. So they could have done that. They could have done that better. Well, they did actually. They did take something from T'Challa, um, and well, they took they, they took stuff from both of them. They took her her ambition and her drive, and and turned her into a I don't know. Um, well, they they basically tried to position her as the next Tony Stark, right? But it's hard to buy into that with someone who's fifteen. And I'm not saying that to be ageist. Um, it's just her brain's not finished developing yet. I mean, come on, be real. I mean, if I, I give her 10 more years, 15 years younger than Tony Stark, and I might be able to buy it because she's got so much more technology, right? But Tony Stark at that around that age was working on artificial intelligence and he achieved it not long after. So I understand what they were trying, how they were trying to position her, but there were better ways to do it. Um, they could have just fucking made her a little bit older, but whatever. Um, so I can understand that with these kinds of characterizations, and this is a case of where I think it wouldn't have mattered if they, if, if the character had been male or female, this, these, these things that annoyed people would have been received badly either way. But so I, I understand the frustration, but overall, they actually the actress did such a good job with the role that she got me past those things that 
that I thought, because the suspension of disbelief issue around her age, that's, I think she got me past that because I thought she was charming and played it well. She was magnetic when she was on the screen. So she got me past, the actress got me past the suspension of disbelief. She got me past the disrespect to my favorite characters. I mean, so the actress's portrayal of the character got me past a lot of stuff that would normally have me disliking the character. So that speaks well to how it was, she was, how it was, the character was portrayed and performed. But so I understand that she, that it can be, it, she can be a little bit polarizing for people. I do think that also she's um, that, that that they have set her up for a life where she doesn't even get to make her own choices. I mean, she's 15 and she's already in charge of the development of her technology for her entire country. Where does she go from there? Yeah. We deserve to go to school. This is not cool. But it's par for Marvel's course when it comes to female characters. They, they, they don't know what to do with them, for the most part. That they're very two-dimensional. And or the they... fact of the matter is, is that the, the best female characters we've gotten have come out of Black Panther, which says a lot. Yeah. But honestly, I don't think they know what to do with their male characters either. I think they just have bad characterization. Because at first, it, it was an issue of female characterization, but have they done have they done Steve Rogers any favors? No. no Sam God, Wilson? No. no. I mean put no. anybody on T Captain America's side of the Civil War and I think I have to question if they did them any favors in the characterization department. Um Do you think it's a format issue that they're so used to the one-dimensional storytelling that they do in comics? I'm going to get so many emails for that. I can I can see them already. No, I think it was because they didn't have uh, an overall arc and direction and somebody in charge of making sure characterization was considered. And they basically let every movie just do whatever the fuck they wanted. And but don't, they, but don't they also kind of do that in the comics, though? I mean, don't they like when they comics switch artists or it goes and that's how they end up with so many different universes? And they continuously well, but, run all these arcs and retcon their audience, and their audience just keeps buying into it again and again and again and again. But at least they have different universes. This is all one universe. Well, you know, if they if, if they get now. a new if they get a new writer and they spin off a new universe, okay. But at least they're spinning off a new universe. In the MCU up to now, they've just been retconning and and being inconsistent and and contradicting themselves all in the same universe because they just. I think they should have had one set of writers that wrote the entire the entire arc, um, but they didn't. And so they come in for the next movie and they go, "Oh, well, I need this, and I need Thor to do this in this movie, and I need to make Thor a, a laughing stock in the last movie." And it's just like, "Wow, guys!" <sighs> Someone said, I, "I'm the comment was I saw it briefly, but the comments they wrote the plot." And then made the characters fit the plot, and and that's probably true, is that they had some idea of what the plot was going to be. Because I don't think the MCU, as it had been structured up to the point of Civil War, made sense for Civil War to happen. Um, no, but they had to get that in there, didn't they? They had to shoehorn it in. So they decided that was going to happen, and I could see them setting up for Civil War and some of the stuff that had happened 
as er, as far back as um, in retrospect, I definitely saw the foundation for Civil War in Age of Ultron. But I, looking back, I think I saw some of the found some of them them setting up for it as far back as Winter Soldier. And it's just like, it just wasn't necessary. They didn't need to do it because as they had written the characters, the only person who made sense to go along with Steve Rogers' nonsense was Steve Rogers. The way they structured the Civil War. And it, and it was strictly based in ignorance, right? So, mm -hmm. um, but the fact that he had the majority of the team on his side was just mind boggling. So I do think director egos, I agree, Dark, have played a factor in it, that they each had their own vision. I think some, I kind of get the feeling that some people, I mean, I, I don't like all the stuff that Joss Whedon did, but I think some of the directors came in just wanting to double bird everything Joss had done. Um, but the, it didn't matter. He was there first. You know, I mean, he, he wrote the first Avengers movie, just going to have to deal with the stuff that he put in there. I'm talking so, about Sherry and her education. When I'm talking about her her burden at 15, I'm not talking about going to school or going to college. I'm talking about falling in love, figuring out who she is and what she wants. Seeing the world, knowing what's out there, knowing what her opportunities are, going to Starbucks with her friend or Coachella or, you know, like she stated, like she, like she, her brother takes her to California. Does, does she get to go to Coachella? No. She ends up in a building. He's going to be building for scientific advancement. That girl wanted to go to the mall. She ended up in Oakland. <laughs> Yeah, when you want to go shopping on Rodeo Drive or go to a rock concert, and instead you wind up at, you know, that's it's not about her education. This, this girl is obviously educated. She has probably been privately well, tutored her entire life. I'm like talking the about the world. But when I say education, I I don't mean like the actual literal education. But the going away to college thing is a it's a rite, it's of, a passage. rite of passage. And yeah. T'Challa got it. She didn't. Didn't T'Challa go to university? Yeah, he did. Didn't he leave? Didn't he leave his country and go away to university and experience? He got the life world? experiences. He got to go Cambridge. I think you're right, hers. I, I think that's her Oxford or Cambridge. It it, it was in the UK. Um, but sure, he didn't get that. She's 15 years old and she's got a job. Yeah, she's got a job. A um, J-O-B. And not just, I mean, it is like a J-O-B. This is not just like she goes to, she's not a barista. I've often thought, <laughs> she's okay. The, she's got her country on her back. The way Tony Stark made Pepper Pot CEO is probably one of the meanest things he did in, in canon. One of the worst things he did in canon. Because she had no credibility to take that role. Which to me actually is part of why Tony had to stay so involved with the company. Is because uh, it probably took years for her to garner any level of respect. And for anybody to believe that she was anything other than Tony Stark's mouthpiece. So the way he put her in that job was utterly cruel. Um, and that is what making a 15-year-old head of the tech of all the sciences in a country as technologically advanced as Wakanda is what it feels like. It feels like, of course, she's going to have issues with people thinking she hasn't earned it. Of course, she's going to, even if she's the smartest person in the room, she doesn't have. Yo, three. Yeah, of course I do. So, um, Sahara was saying that um, she uh, is having a hard time reading on AO3 today because the screen is just so white. 
and I said that you have a custom skin for AO3. Um, I was I, I was volunteering you to help her out. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I put the instructions somewhere on. Maybe it was research. Uh, I put the instructions somewhere. I use dark mode on my browser on AO3. I probably need to go ahead and set up my own skin, but I haven't been reading over there much. But, um... Apparently, um, AO3 has some custom skins you can just click on, and there are a few dark ones. Yeah, the, 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 one, the one that I... Um, it didn't work for me... Because um, the text was too small. The, and so the, the, the instructions I gave was about take if you take one of the dark skins and um, how to adjust the text size was what the, the PDF that I had uploaded. Oh, I'm just going to go find it again. No, Siri, I don't want to talk to you. I don't even know why you turned on. What's the matter with you? <laughs> She just she just wants to talk to me. She's lonely. If you're not careful, her loneliness is going to turn into psychosis and you'll have burst Skynet in your phone. But speaking of female characters that are deeply flawed and imperfect and kind of terrible, but I still kind of like them. Valkyrie. I like her. I, I shouldn't because she's terrible, right? I mean, she's an alcoholic. She's abusive. She. There's no telling how many people died in that arena that she captured and brought to that master guy and sold them into basically what was slavery until they died in an arena for somebody else's entertainment. And yet, I still kind of like her. <laughs> I feel like an asshole for it. I still like her. I think one of the most attractive visual images in Endgame was her on her um, her Pegasus. Where did the Pegasus come from? Well, in the fight scene in Thor Ragnarok, that fight scene. She's badass. She's badass in that. Everybody's badass in that. It's that some of the shots of Thor are probably some of the best cinem you know, cinematography. In, it in was the like, is everybody ready to be a badass? Let's be a badass. <laughs> She's on a flying horse. I forget what it's called. In, um, in Norse mythology. But she's on a flying horse. And I thought it was um, it was a great image. Yeah, the Vikings um, and slave trade was pretty, pretty tight. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's she's problematic as hell, and I still like her. Although I do think that that whole what they did to Thor in his journey makes me want to stab people. Mm hmm. He became the king he was always meant to be, and then they took it away from him. 
Okay, so apparently the winged horses from Asgard don't have names. I'm going to go with Pegasus. And speaking of names, did we not agree that it was said Wizigamot? Wizigamot. Oh, Moat. Wizigamot. You're right. It's Moat. It's Moat because it was the other word. It was to take off the other word. It's from Wittenagamot, which predated predated Parliament. Right. So this is, I'm I'm just putting a screenshot in. This is the skin I'm using right now. This is a standard skin on AO3, um, but the customizations that I mentioned in that PDF that I uploaded are um, about changing the font size. So I'm going to just click on one of the works and you can see the, the difference between the font size of... Um, I'm just going to pick a random, I pulled up a Lady Raw story, so I'm just going to pick one of them. Never go wrong with a Lady Raw story. Never go wrong. Okay, so you're going to see the top, what you see at the top of this is standard AO3 font size, but what you see at the bottom is how I have my custom font setting. There we go. Someone said up in the chat that the Vikings wouldn't consider her um, her particular brand of making a living um, a problem. And you're right. Thor obviously doesn't have a problem with what she did, even to him. It was like it was... <laughs> like it didn't matter at all that she had put him in that position. When honestly, in, in you could actually say that she's guilty of treason. She's an Asgardian, and she sold her fucking king <laughs> into slavery. Uh, wrong image. So you can see the size difference with that code I added to the skin to make my reading font size bigger than the standard size. Because I'm blind as fucking bat these days. Now, I have a question about the second snap. Did they reappear exactly where they were when they snapped? And if so, what huh? about all the people that were on airplanes? Because we know that there were people on airplanes because several of the planes crashed during the scene where Hemdall, not Hemdall, Sarah, you, you see me? Where Nick Fury um, dusts that there are, there's an aircraft in the sky going down because I guess the pilot dusted. So where did those people reappear? Yeah, that is an issue. What if somebody was having surgery when they snapped? What if you were in the middle of open heart surgery when you got snapped away? And if the Guardians and Peter Parker and Doctor Strange reappeared on Titan, yeah, they were they appeared back where they were. So basically, a lot of people, you, you we t we talked about one of the stories I plotted. I won't get into the details about the issue of the realistically bringing everybody back unsnapping would be a logistical nightmare. It was a, even many of them would die anyway. But here's the thing: instantly. if Strange and Peter and the Guardians were on Titan, 
But they got to Earth in time for the battle, and there were no ships left because Nebula and Tony took the only one that, that was on the thing that was usable, and it was barely usable, and they almost died trying to get off Titan. That means that asshole Strange used the sling ring. It is what that means. Yeah, to get it? them back to Earth. Now, why the fuck didn't they use it to escape Thanos to begin with? He could have used it indefinitely to hide from Thanos. Oh yeah, they just none of that made sense. I mean, they did talk about returning to Earth. Remember, on the, when they were on the ship, and they decided to to make the confrontation be on Titan that it would be safer or something. I he I only vaguely remember the sling this. ring to go anywhere in the With, entire fucking universe to hide the time stone, and then he could have come back and they could have fought Thanos. I'm just saying. Yeah, why didn't he put Thanos on the mirror dimension? I mean, isn't that what they did in Doctor Strange? Is every time they had to have a battle, they plopped people right into the mirror dimension. Why didn't they put Thanos in the mirror dimension? He couldn't have hurt anything in there. I mean, one oh, good... Marvel, we Marvel, we one, good <laughs> one good sorcerer, right? Thank I mean, that was the Next. <laughs> yes. That's what they did with Caecilius, right? When he first, during several of his confrontations, is they slapped him and all of his followers. And they could do it in a way that was almost seamless, right? Um, that all of a sudden they're in the mirror dimension and they, and they didn't even, it, it's not even apparent until the laws of physics stop working. He would have a hard time inflicting the reality stones on Stephen Strange if Stephen Strange wasn't there. For the sake of the universe, Stephen Strange needed to retire to some, you know, out-of-the-way planet and kick back and drink Mai Tais for the rest of existence to keep that stone away from Right, Thanos. I mean, he, he could have hidden from him indefinitely. I mean, I guess Marvel's go-to is going to be on that would all, will always be that Stephen looked into all of those futures and saw that they didn't work. I want to stab people again. I mean, Stephen Strange did the absolute right thing when he told Tony Stark that I will do anything. I will sacrifice the both of you to keep him from getting the stone. And I was like, yes, I, I don't want to see either one of them die. I like Peter. I like Tony. Don't let them die. But you're right. He can't have that stone. And then he goes and looks in the future and finds out, oh, I got to give him the stone. Shucks. It's like, oh. I hate it when somebody draws a line in the sand and then it's like there was no sand to begin with. Yeah, see that? Uh, I just don't see, I personally, it feels like when I see something like that, um, where an author is exploring an obviously overlooked thing in canon, like Stephen running with the stone, it feels like and then, and then not changing anything. It feels like they're just trying to point out that they thought of it. <laughs> Which is it's like a special kind of arrogance, right? Yeah, it's like, okay, good for you. I mean, instead of selling the Avengers, I mean, instead of selling the Guardians and Peter through little uh, sling ring holes, why didn't he just throw Thanos through one? Like into a fucking sun. 
You feel me? Yeah. Portal him right into a sun. I'm down for that. Like into the middle of the sun. Not like like heading towards the sun so he has time to react. I mean like one minute he's standing on Titan and the next he's in a sun. <laughs> and he has like a nanosecond. Oh shit, I'm in a sun. And then he's dead. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It was dumb. The infinite falling tunnel. That would have been a good place to stick Thanos while they figured out what to do with him. I mean, Steven had that ability. He he, he was not has not shy about using it. So, okay. So, do we need to do we need? Is there anything else we need to talk about? Does anybody have any questions about Mary the Mary Sue paradox? All I gotta say, my my conclusion would be: if you want to write, write, write your OCs and to hell with the whole Mary Sue thing. But that if you want to write good OCs, they can't be perfect. Because they can't do are, everything right one hundred percent of the time. They can't always have the perfect thing to say. We they usually don't like perfect characters. Mary Poppins being the exception. Honestly, I didn't like Mary Poppins. Is that a sin? Um. When I was little, Mary Poppins kind of freaked me out. I didn't see Mary Poppins when I was little, but she probably would have freaked me out when I was young, too. Crazy lady with her magic using it on me. Sometimes, sometimes your characters have to have opinions separate separate from your own. They have to believe things that you wouldn't believe. Um, even things that are ugly. They have to um, they have to say things that you wouldn't say. Um, they have to think things that you wouldn't think. There's a line in human nature, and I've gotten a couple of dings for it, where um, it it references, John references prison rape. During a conversation with um, a soldier who's going to be sent back to Earth and be tried and put in federal prison. You would not, I mean, it's not my opinion. It's not, I wasn't threatening him with that. That's a reality that men in, men in prison face. And John said it. Um, but you would not believe the amount of emails I got of people accusing me of believing that that was justice. No, I don't think it's justice. And John didn't either. John was just stating reality. Would I have said it? No. But John was angry. He was bitter. And in the moment, I thought it fit his characterization. So I said it. And people were like, oh. <laughs> like, come on, guys. I also don't think everybody in Nebraska lives in a hovel. I really don't. I promise. Sebastian does, though. Because he's a kid from California. Does it make John's character um, less sympathetic? Yes. Is, is it ugly? Yes, but human beings sometimes we're ugly. Mm -hmm. People say even people we like sometimes say say shitty things. There are people I adore who I, I who I love that sometimes I give them the disapproving face because I'm like, you really shouldn't have said that. Does it mean I don't like them or love them anymore? No, it doesn't mean that. But I recognize that they have flaws and I don't approve of everything they do and say. That's just but reality. Sometimes my husband will say something and I'll be like, dude, dude. 
and I won't repeat it on the podcast, but he does this. When I first met my husband, he was, see, I was 24, he was 30-ish, 31, 30, 31. Um, the N-word came out of his mouth on a regular basis. He's a black man in America. He felt like he had that right. I don't like the N-word. And eventually, I broke him from saying it by bitching about it every time he did. <laughs> but every once in a while, when he's driving, things will come out of his mouth that make me want to wash his mouth out with soap. Because he has the worst mouth when he's behind the wheel of a car. And nobody in my family believes it. They, they, they think my husband is so sweet. They have no idea. He's an absolute monster behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> he's a total beast. It's so ugly and so inappropriate and so terrible. I can't tell you how many times he's threatened outright murder <laughs> of strangers because they're going too slow in front of him. It's a fucking conspiracy. And he's living in... um. He's living in a world where, you know, everything's out. You know, he's just like, it's just, he's totally, he's totally the star of his own Truman Show, okay? <laughs> I just, it's unreal. I mean, the thing is, if we were truly realistic about some of the things, our, even even our, our heroes or our, our protagonists do and say, if we had a real, true, realistic character profile, odds are, We'd we'd never hear we'd never hear the end of it. We would never hear the end of it. Um, if I wrote some of my gay characters saying the kinds of things that my gay friends actually say, oh my god, I would I would <laughs> right right. I've got a I've got a gay friend who calls everybody, including me, the f word. Yeah, yeah. Every time. He gets mad at you with the F words coming out in your direction. And I'm like, can you, can you just call me a bitch instead? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. I said, I am, I'm, I'm open to bitch. Uh, bastard. I'll take bastard. <laughs> Asshole's fine, actually, but no. Can, can, can you lay off the F word? I would really appreciate it. But yeah. Yeah. So your character's. Complete oh. reality isn't possible. You you will your inbox will be full of of horrible things. But the bottom line is is that some characters are going to say things that are, are are a little off that aren't exactly perfect. I got beat to crap um from a few people on emergence because they said Tony was um a misogynist. I was like um, okay, he's a, a maybe you could stretch that to be a little bit sexist, but I think in canon, Tony was a little bit sexist. Um, a little bit of a womanizer, yeah, it was a little bit there, it was a little bit there. But the thing is, is what Tony was reacting to is he basically in the scene that I was called into question on, um, by several people was, um, that he's basically being told that he's about to undergo a gender change. Not completely, but at least partially. There's at least a partial gender change. That in a way that uh, that he's finding out that Wyverns are kind of a different gender 
after a fashion. And he goes, and he reacts to it like you're basically you're telling me I'm you're, I'm a turn into a girl, and he's not dealing with it well. And it's not because he's turning into a girl; it's because he's turning into something that isn't him, right? And he's struggling with the changes he's being told he's going to undergo. And I was told I was a misogynist for that. But the thing is, it's not a reflection of how I feel about any of that stuff. Although I don't think I would respond to it. A shiny pink girl—that is exactly <laughs> what he says. He says, "You tell me I'm going to have him turn into a shiny pink girl," because he's told that he might wind up with pink scales. And he's like, he doesn't react well. And I was told that was misogynistic. And I was like. Why? Uh, yes, I, he's reacting. I just think that's realistic. I I do too. The thing is, he could have been told he's been turned into a shiny pink bunny, and he would react worse. So, is he anti bunny? I no. mean, we all joke about what we would do if we woke up with a dick. In I'm like, in my joke of it, I said I'd probably masturbate because seriously. In the reality, I would call the doctor. I would but... freak the fuck out and call NASA. Forget the doctor. I'd been abducted by aliens and experimented on it. I need you to come to my house right now. I woke up with a penis. I went to bed with a vagina. I woke up with a penis. It's, it's or, no, or, or to wake up and find you've got both all of a sudden. I would be like, so wait a minute. I'm going to have to learn to adapt to a penis and I still have to have periods? I This is just not fair. Um, oh, there's a scene it, in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond where they're discussing um, past relationships. And he had made it clear early on that he was kind of disappointed in her for being jealous of his former girlfriend. But then he turned around and said that he wouldn't want to interact with her former lover from the previous summer. And someone said it was hypocritical. I said, of course it was hypocritical. He's a 16-year-old boy. What do you expect? <laughs> It's supposed to be hypocritical. But you get called out on this stuff. Like you're supposed to write your characters as perfect. Like you're supposed to write them as Mary Sue's. But then you get accused of writing a Mary Sue when they're perfect. And the thing is, the bottom line is, is that whatever the character is, Harry's going to act like a teenage boy and probably less like a teenage boy than he probably actually realistically would. Because if we actually wrote him like a realistic teenage boy, we would want, I mean, okay, straight up here, folks, I have a brother who just recently entered into his 20s, despite the fact that I'm 46 years old. There's quite a gender, there's quite an age divide there. Um, but when he was in his, when he was a 16 year old boy, he was posting pictures of his bowel movements on Facebook. So, 16-year-old boys do stupid this ass boy, shit. This boy, Literally. bless his heart. And the thing is, it wasn't just him. It was all of his friends. It was like, I don't know, did they have a weekly vote about who had the best? I, I don't know. My mother put a stop to it real quick. But because his reasoning was all of his friends were doing it, which is the teenage boy rationale for everything. So right. <laughs> this is what teenage boys do so it's, they make stupid decisions so realistically a fan they make writer, stupid decisions they, they say stupid things they do stupid things so kira being trying to write harry being semi-realistic might have harry doing st- uh, the occasional stupid thing or saying the stupid thing something stupid but it's way less stupid than it would actually be in reality so we're trying to inject some realism to the characters that they feel like real people without injecting so much realism that you want to close the browser because you're like, Ugh, I can deal with that in my real life. I don't need to deal with it in my fic, which is exactly what we think. So 
when it comes to characterization, you're walking a line between is it too perfect? Are they too realistic? <sighs> and you try to, but the thing is, I'm going to be honest, that whole um, hormonal thing where you cry for no reason, that's still happening to me, and I'm 45, so I'm not sure when that's ending. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's getting worse as I'm moving into perimenopause, so. But the thing is, I mean, it. Tony reacting negatively to going through changes that he didn't ask for, that he wasn't expecting, and that's going to fundamentally alter him at a level he never thought would be challenged – it isn't misogynistic to say, are you telling me I'm going to turn into a shiny pink girl? That's not misogyny. It, It's not. It's just, that's not what that is. Is it, is it, would I feel negatively about turning, being turned into a shiny pink girl? I am a shiny pink girl. So <laughs> I can't say that I would have that reaction, but if somebody told me they're going to turn me into a shiny blue girl, I might not react very positively to that. So, but the, the what this highlights really is that in a lot of ways you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Exactly. Because if he so, didn't have any reaction, people would say, I can't believe he didn't react to being told that, you know, this is what's going to happen to him. If someone told me I was going to have a dick tomorrow, I'd have some questions. I'd have a lot to say. Because my first question would be, okay, um, if I'm getting a dick, am I still gonna have a period? I'd want to, that'd be my first question too. And my second question would be, well, throw my balance off <laughs> because I can't afford to fall any more than I already do. I mean, am, am I have to walk. Well, I have to, will I have, I have testicles? Will I have testicles too? Well, I need to get new pants. And where will they be? Do I have to learn to pee standing up? Because I'm pretty comfortable with the down. Like this, I have to figure out if I'm going to dress to the left or to the right. Left. I'm pretty confident about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you're going to dress? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've decided. I think I'm going to dress to the right because I'm right handed. Because I'm right handed? I mean. Well, you... I don't, I don't, I don't I've, I've only worn, I've worn, only worn a packing dick a couple of times in my life. It was a thing. I dressed left. I don't know why. It just, that's the way it all went. That's the way it fit. I, that's what I did. It went left. There it is. I'm putting it on the left. There you go. Well, I don't know if you would actually uh, have two urethas. A vaginal it penis depend, or not two penis? It would depend on the position of the penis and which one had the urethra attached. A, a vagina would never have a urethra attached. Let's not. Well, I mean, yeah, because the vagina is, is has nothing to do is. with the urethra. The urethra is above the vagina. But if the penis is where the urethra traditionally is on a woman, then it would stand to reason that you would pee out of your penis. Two urethras would be. Uh, I would not be down for that because that's definitely a pee sitting down kind of situation, and you'd probably be peeing on your own dick, which. <sighs> Man, this conversation just took a very strange turn. <laughs> so I'm thinking it would be best to pee out of the penis. I, if, if I'm gonna have, if I'm gonna have a penis, it, I, it, I and there's gonna be a vagina. Well, for starters, that's rude. But <laughs> bad alien, bad. <laughs> if there's a vagina, that that kind of implies I'm still having my period. And if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be, if, if I'm suddenly gonna turn into a dude in my pants. 
you know, I might be a female upstairs. If I'm, if I'm, if, if I'm a man in the pants, I do not want to have to have a period too. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not on board with having a dick and a period. I'm, I'm not on board with it. So it just doesn't seem fair at all. At all. Um, so I, but that, yeah, my first question, if somebody told me that, that there were going to be differences in the morning, you know, that were within X amount of time, your body's going to change. I'd have a lot of questions. And if they told me something I didn't like, I might say something that somebody might interpret as being anti-male. And it doesn't mean it's anti-male. It just means it's anti-situation I'm about to be in. Think about it, right? But I, I don't want that. Oh my God. That you misandrist. I am not. I just don't want to have to have a period and a penis. There's always time for lubricant. <laughs> always. <laughs> I don't want all those Lilos to be for nothing. Okay. I, wait, what am I going to do with them if I got a dick? Look, I wasn't born with. I wasn't born with one, so I bought one, and I'm happy with it. I can't sell it. I've got four hundred dollars in vibrators. It's just going to go to waste. Yeah, I mean, testosterone, a huge burst of testosterone in a woman would, would probably cause PCOS. Because the main, I mean, my testosterone is a little high. Oh, and if there's going to be testosterone, I'll be like, is, is the follow-on to this change going to well, be wait, facial, wait. facial hair? If you get a penis, you automatically get a prostate. Because... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, pros and cons, pros and cons. But we're still the point is we're gonna, so we're gonna have questions, and we might say some things that might be perceived negatively towards men. When what it's really perceived, what it really is, is negative towards change that is about to be foisted upon me. So, body autonomy is a big thing. But nobody wants to wake up different. Unless I'm, unless I, unless it's like you wake up with magical sleep and your acne cleared up, I'd be like, "Wow, congratulations!" Uh, that, <laughs> I guess that micellar water really worked. Um, now, for fuck's sake, I don't know how you did it, but you managed to get that stupid song from Teen Witch in my brain. Teen Witch. The most popular girl. She goes oh. to bed normal, wakes up the next day because of the spells she casts, and she's the most popular girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man. Like, I needed that in my brain. Well, yeah, you earwormed me this week. I'm So I have no, I have no, no bad feelings about this situation. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. You even, you even posted the fucking video. The Carpenter song. Oh. I'm not going to sing it because nobody needs that. There's nothing wrong with being on top of the world. Hey, see here. She, there, I knew you'd Looking do it. down on creation. I knew you'd stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you evil troll. <laughs> I think we've exhausted the topic. I think what we take away from this is that um, that just write what you want, and if anybody complains, tell them to go fuck themselves. Yeah. 
But don't the other but the other side of it is write what you want, yes. But the other side of it is be honest about what you're writing. If you want to write a Mary Sue, own it. If you want to write a self-insert, just own it. Don't act if you write a Mary Sue, don't act all shocked and startled. If I don't think they should say something, but you don't get to be shocked if someone notices. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> That's disingenuous. How dare you? <laughs> I know. Um so just be do what you want to do, right? But you know, if if you if you're OC, you're but don't if somebody comes at you with, with Mary Sue, the Mary Sue bludgeon, um, when you've just because you've written an OC, just delete the comment. It's not censorship to tell to shut somebody up to tell because censorship we've talked about it, censorship for something else entirely. They don't and, actually have a right to have a voice on your fic. So just and if they're it. throwing that at you out of the gate you're not going to have a rational discourse with this person so don't waste your time it's just not there you are could so be writing yes yeah, so you could be writing there's so many things you could be doing with your time than talking to that idiot or masturbating <laughs> or <laughs> whatever whatever with, floats your boat with <laughs> while pondering what it might be like to have a penis <laughs> um <laughs> Would my orgasm be as good or better if I had a penis? Would they be less good? I don't know. But I know. If I get a penis, I require a prostate. I require. (laughs) Require. Yes. Because if I'm giving up multiple orgasms, I definitely deserve a prostate. Wait. (laughs) What? They don't they don't bounce back. You know, I mean But I thought we were keeping both. I thought it was like you'd wake up with an addition. We, we said a vagina and a penis. <gasps> penis is analogous to the clitoris. I'm not sure about this. <laughs> right? It's, it's taken on a different tone, hasn't it? Me and my clit have been really good friends since I was a teenager. <laughs> That's my bro. I'm not... I'm not I can't... Nope. That's my broho. It's it's. I don't want it to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's both my bro and my hoe, and I just I'm not down with it disappearing. <laughs> I hope you guys have had a fantastic week, and you have a really great weekend. And um, so uh, good night, and we'll catch you later. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>